Attention, this is a public service announcement from the WRB Studios. The following episode that you are about to enjoy contains spoilers, heavy spoilers. Spoilers for not only Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone, but also the entire Harry Potter series and universe. So if you've not yet had the privilege of finishing all seven books, please kindly proceed at your own will. Caution, caution, spoiler alert. One can never have enough socks, said Dumbledore. Another Christmas has come and gone, and I didn't receive a single pair. People will insist on giving me books. Sweet Dumbledore. Well, greetings and welcome to the We Read Books podcast. Ooh, 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 ooh. This is a place where uh, we read books and then we talk about them for our own entertainment and hopefully for yours too. Yes. If you, I mean, if it's not for your entertainment, I'm not sure why you're here, but we're still glad that you are. Yeah, I mean, it's in the, it's it's in the title of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We read books. <laughs> we want to be as upfront with our audience as possible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Full transparency. Yes. <laughs> um, first and foremost, my great-grandma turned 98 today. Way to go, Grandma. My Grandma Paris. Her name is Nyla. I love that name. <laughs> Girl's 98. Is she still, like, you know, living life up? I think her, like, her physical health is, mm-hmm. I mean, perfectly fine for someone who's 98. Yeah. I think she's got a smidge of dementia. At 98, I think <laughs> a smidge is pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty understandable. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, she's out here doing it. She looks good for 98. That's great. So, hell yeah, Grandma. Cheers to Grandma. Cheers to Nyla. Oh, Nyla. (laughs) All right, so our, our, well, I guess we shouldn't introduce ourselves. That's Whitney. That's Maddie. Hello. Hello. (laughs) And we have some social channels. On Instagram, we are at we read books pod as well as on tiktok we are at we read books pod and our gmail is we read books pod two three at gmail dot com two three simply because 
It is the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no mystery behind it, no significant nope. meaning, just that's that's the year that we started this thing. So it's, Yes, it is. <laughs> and apparently there's someone else out there in the cyberverse that took We Read Books. Hmm. <laughs> So I wonder what they're doing with it. I don't know, because before we like landed on a name, I obviously searched We Read Books. Right. And to be we, sure. Yeah, We Read Books, We Read Books podcast, and I got nothing. So I don't know. Whoever out there has that Gmail, what are you doing with it and why? Because it's not I read books. Exactly. It's We Read Books. Yes. So it I- must be a shared email between... Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a book club email. Maybe. That that sounds... Yeah. yeah. That sounds very plausible. Yeah. Oh, book clubs. I, tr- <laughs> you know, I've tried being in book clubs, but I just... When somebody else is picking the book, then I'm like, mm, I don't want to read that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Or, yeah, I, I, I think... <laughs> was it on Facebook that there, there was a, mm-hmm. a book club? Yeah. I, I didn't make it past the first book. Uh, one, I'm just really bad at Facebook, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm also bad at Facebook. It's yeah. just, it's just not fun. Yeah. No. But, uh, I think that book club ended up doing two books <laughs> before <laughs> it perished. Um, we did Station Eleven mm-hmm. and All the Light We Cannot See. Oh, Nice. But Station Eleven, I did read it. I think I still own it somewhere over on that god-awful shelf, but... I read most of it. It wasn't my favorite. I had intended to go back. It wasn't like it was bad, so I stopped reading it. Mm -hmm. But I will say that the switch in narrator and not even just narrator, but like the jumps in the story, which are usually fine, Mm -hmm. but I felt like we were not only changing... People in situations, but also part times in the in the timeline, mm-hmm. and it was just getting a little frustrating to me because I would start to really get into one of them, and then yeah. we would completely switch gears, yes. and it just it wasn't vibing for me. But I, I do intend to go back and finish it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was bad. Um, I just didn't. I don't know. Maybe if I read it again, I would like it more. Yeah. But I don't know. The 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 switch in the narration, I don't know. Something about it I didn't love. They were operating two different times. It wasn't, mm-hmm. like, linear. Yeah. Which usually is fine. Mm-hmm. I don't mind a nonlinear plot, but I don't know. There also wasn't a lot of action. Like, not yeah. that much happened. And I remember that, like, there were... Like, certain characters where you were, like, learning a lot about their personal lives and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like, transgressions or whatever. But, and obviously I didn't finish it, but I couldn't figure out, like, where we were going with it. Or yeah. why it was important to the story that was being told. Especially in comparison with, like, the future and, like, the caravans and all mm-hmm. that jazz. Mm-hmm. It's like, why am I learning about... I was just kind of... I don't know. Yeah. I need to... I need to finish or well just read it again and yeah. then and then see how i feel <laughs> i agree i think i think i need it needs another read for yeah. me yeah but because post-apocalyptic anything is usually my jam yeah i just i really like 
anything dystopian or apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, yeah. TV yeah. shows, books, whatever, I usually am into it just simply because of the theme. <laughs> it is interesting to see the different paths that people think life is going to take. But yet, mm. they take none of the warnings. Like, have has no one seen Terminator? Because <laughs> we're making AIs that do all kinds of stuff left and right. And I, I'm, I implore you to please, please heed the warnings mm-hmm. <laughs> of maybe, Terminator. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe there's a little part of people who want the, they want the apocalypse. Maybe. They're, they're egging they're it. They're egging it on. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What Dakota likes to say about that is that it's so easy to be alive now. And I know, obviously, people are suffering. But yeah. generally speaking, you don't have to work that hard to, like, get food and water right. in a house. Right. Of course, like, housing is really expensive. But, you know. Relatively speaking, it's... Especially compared to history. <laughs> and and compared to, like, what you would face in an apocalyptic situation. Like, yeah. we're not out here on the daily facing life and death circumstances. No. Like, no. <laughs> you know. So, that's, I think there's a part of human nature that really wants to know, how would I... Would I survive? Yeah. What kind of person would I turn out to be? Yeah. Would I, like, be the villain? Mm-hmm. Would I, like, become crazy ruthless and, like, not worry about just killing folks? <laughs> Maybe. You don't know. Like, right. you know, you never know how you would react in a situation until you're in it. So. Right. Because you could think about it, but, yeah, like you said, until you're dropped into that situation... Yeah. There's no there's no true telling. Not not at all. Cuz I mean the bet I like Walking Dead for example, the governor mm-hmm. in his regular life before the zombie apocalypse, he was probably a good guy. Mm-hmm. He had like a daughter who he clearly really loved and mm-hmm. a wife. I don't remember what he did for a living. I think it tells you, but yeah. he for all intents and purposes seemed like you're regular like decent guy and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he gets a little bit of like authority and he's just the fucking worst and he beheads herschel absolute power corrupts absolutely as they say (laughs) and he's actual well fictionally actual proof he had no need to decapitate herschel no none none was herschel a threat in any way absolutely not that sweet sweet man (sighs) That was that was like the first really devastating death on The Walking Dead for me. What what was that other really sweet guy that was friends with Glenn though? Cuz I thought that was it Dale? Dale, the guy with the bucket hat? Yes. yes. I thought that was Yeah. Pretty... Dakota hated him. He hated he thought he was so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> now, I haven't watched Dale in a long time, but yeah. I feel like he was pretty nice. He was he was really nice, yeah. But the way he went out was pretty, like, simple and crazy. Like, it was just like, oh, he looked down and the zombie ate his ankle. Like, yeah. He just, it's, I, yeah. I need you to pay attention to your surroundings, sir. Well, it's too late now, it's, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But there weren't very many deaths in that show that I was like, yeah, 
we we can't come back from that. Herschel <laughs> yeah. is the first, and then none of the other deaths until Glenn really like got me. Yeah, Glenn's. I was like, really. <laughs> yeah, that was. I was like, I didn't need to see that. I didn't need to see that at all. I like legit stopped watching. I did too. That for was, a while. Like we started rewatching it back. I don't know, a couple months ago. We still haven't gotten up to Glenn's death yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't actually went back and watched any lately. But after, whenever it was, like, actively airing, we mm-hmm. were watching it. And when the episode where Glenn is killed, that was the last episode we watched for years. Until Me, we yeah. just started rewatching it. Us too. I was we, like, we were like, this is too much. Nuh-uh. Too much. Not Glenn. <laughs> No, I refuse. Yep. Yep. That was it. <laughs> that was the straw. <laughs> you have to draw draw the line somewhere. Yep. Okay, I guess we'll we'll start now. <laughs> After a, a long diatribe. And uh we did not say spoiler alert for uh The Walking Dead. You were not expecting Walking Dead spoilers, but it has been out for a hot minute. And Glenn did die back in, like, 2015. Or maybe 16. Yeah, so I feel like there's, like, a, at very most, a five-year no spoilers, and then that expires. So I I apologize. (laughs) Sorry about it. It's like spoiling, like, the ending of Harry Potter. Right. You know. You you already know. And if you don't know, it's been out for, like, 20 years. True. So, you're... Get off our backs. <laughs> Speaking yep. of Harry Potter, that's what we're doing today. It, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's going to be so fun. This is, we're starting the series today. So we will be covering each installment of the Harry Potter series for every fifth book. Yeah, we we don't want you to think that the next you know, seven, well, I guess the next six episodes are also going to be Harry Potter. We're going to spread it out. That way, if you're not interested in Harry Potter, you're not, you know, waiting X amount of weeks till we get over this. (laughs) Right. It just, enough space to where for non-HPs, you can skip it easily. And for those who love it, you don't have to wait too long for the next. Yes. So... HP, one of, statistically one of the biggest series of modern literature. Or maybe biggest series, period. Because it truly was just a phenomenon. It yeah. just completely. It, it, it was such an anomaly. Like, it was the perfect thing at the perfect time. Because mm-hmm. even though there were other big series at the time, you know, people were doing midnight releases for and going to the movies for, like, Twilight, for example, which I don't... I don't know if they did midnight book releases, but that one was pretty big. But mm-hmm. it does not have games, uh, theme m- parks, com- completely still growing merchandise. You know, yeah. it's it's a thing. I I truly believe it is a huge thing all its own. That's unprecedented. Yeah, it's become its own genre almost. Mm-hmm. It's created <laughs> yeah. its own genre. Yeah. It's very wild. So, I don't... It's... It's really crazy. And it did also kind of set the tone for what people expect in a series. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And you could see like influences like on, on Twilight, for example, they, I think, tried to mimic the phenomenon of Harry Potter a lot. Oh, for and, sure. And especially in their the movies. Yes, that's what I was I was just about to say at the same time. Uh the the last movie doing it in two parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which a lot happens, but I feel like how it spread out didn't necessarily need to be mm-hmm. that way. Mhm. But I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I can't I have no opinion obviously, but I know for Harry Potter, it was 100% necessary. Yeah. I, I, I know that there are people that say they didn't feel it was necessary. They were like, just a lot of walking around. But I I do feel that because they did it in two films, they should have had more details that they mm-hmm. left out. Like the Nigellus Black painting oh, and the yeah. bag and just mm-hmm. different things like that. I feel like they had two movies. Yeah. They could have. There were a few things that they should have. I think there. I had one major gripe with part one, and that was the uh, Phineas mm-hmm. Nigellus Black's mm-hmm. portrait. Yes. And then in the last one, it was the duel between Harry and Voldemort. And his, yeah, I, yeah. I thought that that should have been done exactly the way it was in the book. Agreed. With the crowd. Right. And Voldemort should have just fell over. Right. He doesn't get to dissipate into no. dust. And Bellatrix, too. Um, I I feel yeah. like she, I wish she would have just fallen over and died. Yeah. My big gripe, which, could we have saved these for the seventh book? Sure. but We'll talk about it again. When but we we're, <laughs> as I say, but we're here now. Um, <laughs> uh, my biggest gripe, I think, is that shard of mirror. It's mm. just, he just has it. They don't tell you that is true. where he gets it. That is true. They vaguely mention like how it works mm-hmm. when he meets Aberforth, but you still have no yeah. earthly clue where he got it, why he thinks that he's seeing Dumbledore. I mean, nothing. It's just there. It's like unless yeah. you read the books, you were clueless. Yeah. It's it what I feel like is that the first two films were made be, the way that they were made and the things that are included is because the people who are going to be watching those films were that age. We were 10, 11, 12 years old yeah. when those movies came out. And you can tell that the target audience was 10, 11, 12 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. And then you get to like... The third is kind of operates on its own. It's different than the first two and different than the last five mm-hmm. or four or yeah. how many come after it. Yeah. So the third is like an anomaly, and then the fourth, fifth, and sixth were made for the moviegoers, mm-hmm. and then the two, the seventh and eighth were made for the book lovers. Yeah, and it's strange. So the same director for one and two, new director for three, mm-hmm. new director for four, mm-hmm. and then same director for five through the end. Yeah, which he. I believe normally did sort of like political thrillers. So for him to begin on five really made sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause yeah, that five is an incredibly political book for sure. Yeah. I wish it was longer. It's the longest book in the series. Yeah. And the shortest movie. And I cannot tell you how much that pains me. (laughs) It's so painful. Cause 
Order of the Phoenix is my favorite book. Yeah, um, and it's probably hands not, down. not my least favorite movie, but... Um, I think the end saved it for me. Yeah. The end where they're battling in the ministry mm-hmm. and um, when, like, Harry and Sirius are dueling with, um, is it Lucius and another Death Eater that yeah. I don't know? Yeah. They're, like, dueling side by side. That The way Gary Oldman, like, the, his, the way he does it and his, like, wand movements epic. Controversial statement, but I think that Gary Oldman actually made Sirius a warmer character, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he did an excellent job. I do think he was too old to play Sirius, but I also think that, uh, is his name Matthew Thewlis? Mm -hmm. I think he was too old to play Lupin as well. Right. But the actors they picked for Harry's parents were also too old to be his parents. Yes. They were what twenty one or twenty two when they died. Yes. So yeah, they were they were much too old. But I understand why they aged them up because they're supposed to look like parents. Yeah. Because if you are looking at Lily and James in like when they pop up in Deathly Hallows Part Two, mm-hmm. if you had cast twenty one year olds to play that role, <laughs> twenty one and seventeen don't look that different. But they died, so they should. Right. <laughs> you know? I know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's... I don't know. The ghostly benefit of dying at dying 21, young. I guess. You You're stay looking young. Young forever. That felt like a gross statement, it's, but... <laughs> yeah. Don't you look like what you died as? Like, yes. you don't you continue s- to age? To age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I always have mixed feelings about the fifth because the ending is so well done, well yeah, filmed. Yeah. I like it a lot. But it's a great movie. Just when you compare it to the book, you're you when you know what you're missing. Yeah, especially like the uh, the Quidditch. They take Quidditch out of it entirely. Yeah, and so it doesn't. It's so crazy because Quidditch is also not super prevalent in the third either. Like it's there, but it's not like yeah, they're there. Yeah, we we have like the one match where he falls off the broom with the Dementors and stuff. But yeah, yeah, it becomes an afterthought later. But it's actually a pretty big like part of the series. Yeah, I think yeah. There's even there there were even extra games in the first book. Mm-hmm. that didn't make it into the movie. Yeah. Understandably so. Sure. But, I mean, they still, I don't know. Yeah. The the commentary from the different people throughout the series just <laughs> are so I know. Great. Yeah. Like, in the sixth, Luna Lovegood commentating. So mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But. Yes. <laughs> you know. It's just a lot of missed opportunities. Yes. Yes. So, like we've said previously... Warner Brothers, we're available. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Let us help consult you. Uh, we will make sure that literally everything that a Harry Potter fan wants in the film will be in the film. <laughs> and it will be perfectly cast. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, Alan. That's the only, like, drawback. I don't think anyone could play Snape like Alan Rickman. No. But I do think there are a couple actors that could do it. 
do fair justice. Yeah. Don't ask me off the yeah. top of my head because my brain went mostly blank. But I know that they exist. Wouldn't it be a plot twist if they had Dan come back and play Snape? <laughs> I think I've seen that like as like a a cool theory thing, and I I that would be kind of cool. It would be real because he wears like I've seen that idea idea pitch because there's a photo of him where he plays Victor Frankenstein and he has long yeah. hair, and everyone's like. It would be so, so great to bring him back to play Snape. I agree. The only thing is I don't think he's looming enough. I feel like he needs to be taller. Taller, Taller, yeah. Poor Dan. He's... That is not a judgment to his height because I myself am only 5'4". Well, I am am about two or three inches taller than Dan. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, he, he... Rocks being short. I mean, yeah, he does. You know, Dan's an attractive guy. Absolutely. He has lovely eyes and great hair. Yes. So. That that was never in question. Just, never. yeah, his never. stature, I don't know if it matches Snape, but it, I, I... It could work. They could maybe juxt... Maybe do a little, like, camera trickery to make him appear taller. I mean, they did it with the twins and Ron. Ron was um, tall in the books mm-hmm. and, like, kind of... Not short in person but he basically Mm -hmm. the 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 description for the twins and the description for ron they kind of swapped it like they did the twins were supposed to be like short and they were tall and gangly and then you know ron was supposed to be tall and gangly and he was kind of shorter and you know whatever yeah but right whatever and and the phelps twins killed it oh yeah george absolutely like i mean Nailed it, horde. <laughs> anyway, tangents galore <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be all over the place for this whole one. I I anticipate. Um, so I guess we, we could talk about the novel itself. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a little about the novel itself here. Uh, it was published June twenty sixth. 1997 in the UK and then September 1998 in the US. So they beat us out by a little bit. Understandably, mm-hmm. you know, the author released it in the UK. So yeah. they get it first. They um, indeed do. Uh, author is J.K. Rowling uh, or J.K. Rowling. I've heard it said both ways. Mm-hmm. I think I say <laughs> Rowling. I think she says Rowling. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Because really that's what matters is that you say the name the way of the person yeah. who it belongs to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think um, most people who pronounce it Rowling are Americans. Yeah. Because <laughs> we we got to botch everything. We got to throw some hard vowels around. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, the title was changed from the Philosopher's Stone to Sorcerer's Stone for the U.S. version because Scholastic, the U.S. publisher, thought it was too archaic for U.S. readers. So, right. a.k.a. we're not <laughs> educated enough or uh, worldly un- you know, enough mm-hmm. to understand that Philosopher and Sorcerer could be <laughs> yeah. slightly interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, and I think... I think they I think they were afraid that if they stuck with Philosopher's Stone, people wouldn't 
know that this is a novel about wizards. Right. I, I yes. Which, you're, you're right. Read the back of the book, bitch. <laughs> Stop changing the title. I mean, the title of every single book does not tell you what you're about to read. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like the the book title that you mentioned earlier gives me no indication uh, uh, at all. No. I mean, I wouldn't assume it's a comedy, but who would know? Exactly. Maybe Station Eleven. It could be about a radio station. So true. And then what was the other one that you mentioned? All the light we cannot see. Right. What the heck? Yeah, I mean, the main character is blind. Okay, I was going to say, unless someone can't see, okay, that was a bad example. But Station Eleven. (laughs) Yeah, that one you just simply do not know. Right. (laughs) Obviously, we hate the change. You know, I don't know. I'm one of those people. It's like, don't give me a watered down change, like, because we're too stupid. Just just give me the original book title, please. Yeah, exactly. Especially because <clears throat> the Philosopher's Stone is real. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know the, the actual functioning stone is real, but the study of alchemy histor- is a ho- historical thing. People used to study that instead of chemistry. Right. And I believe Nicholas Flamel is also a real yes. person. Nicholas Flamel is a real person who studied alchemy. And I obviously... You know, maybe he did create a Philosopher's Stone and he's just out there still living his life. I don't know. Yeah. But it was, it's a real mythological thing. Like, this is a real thing that you can look up and read about. The Philosopher's Stone was supposed to make you have long life and can change anything into gold. Yeah. And it's It's integral to how the writing is for the entire series. Like, the thing, the way things are named and... Mm -hmm. And, and all that stuff. It's like, it's all kind of like historically or mythologically based. So. Right. Yeah. So Philosopher's Stone is not an arbitrary title. Mm-mm. It is titled that for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so confused why Scholastic even, why they wouldn't have like made that connection. Like this is a historical like myth, theory, yep. whatever. Obviously. We shouldn't change it. Maybe there would have been less, like, witch panic without the word sorcerer. True. There was... Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) The witch panic was insane. (laughs) I remember it, like, very specifically. And usually the panic was from people who hadn't read it. They just had a... Yeah. Basic... They were like, well, non-magical people are the bad guys. No, just like one family. And maybe yeah. maybe to some of the characters they were all bad guys, but Yeah. It was the bad guys saying that. So. And there's a literal line at the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone where they're on the train and Harry's telling Ron about the Dursleys and he's like, Yeah, they're muggles and they're terrible. They're not terrible because they're muggles, they're just terrible. Yes. Right there in the beginning. The caveat is Yeah, <laughs> literally. But, I mean... And what I never understood about the witch panic is they're like, oh, it's it's promoting magic and it's going to make all the children want to learn magic. Mm-hmm. Every Disney movie ever created has magic. Yes. That's the problem with a lot of those sort of arguments is they're, see- they're seeing this one specific thing and... It's 
a school for witches and wizards. And like, yeah. no, that's no, not acceptable. But Mickey Mouse dressing up with the blue starred robe yeah. and the blue starred wizard's hat with a wand. Yeah. That's fine. Right. Because it's Disney. All I say is if you are against something, just educate yourself on it first before you're just throwing slander out there. Yeah. Don't hear a short one paragraph synopsis and be like, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know what? Satan doesn't show up. Never. He doesn't come to this party. Never once. And he's never even mentioned. No. The closest <laughs> thing we get is, is Voldemort. So. Yeah. And he's the villain. Yeah. Who ends up being killed. Defeated by good. Ultimate good trumps ultimate evil. Can't get better than that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, ah. Uh, he's... <laughs> oh gosh well uh after the satan note we'll give you some fun (laughs) some fun facts (laughs) the advance from bloomsbury for the very first harry potter book was a mere 2500 pounds which you know is a little bit more than american money but not much and it fluctuates too. Right. At, at this time, it could have been, I mean, it's not off by much. No. And especially if you listen to our Verity um, episode, like that writer was offered. Now, that was a successful series, mind you, but that fictional author was uh, originally offered like 75000 to do three books. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually ended yeah. up getting 150000 maybe? Something like that. Yeah. I think it was first going to be 75000 per book and then... Oh, was it per book? Yeah. Oh, okay. Even even more then. Yeah. So I think <laughs> she ended up for all three books getting 500000 Ah, uh, You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, so it, it proves my point even more. But yeah. <laughs> after that, <laughs> Rowling received 800... Or no, 8,000 pounds. Um from the Scottish Arts Council, which I'm sure helped out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but that still means in total she received 10,500 pounds to enable her to finish the edits on Philosopher's Stone and then begin outlining the future installments. So if that's your job and it takes you a year to write a book. Yeah, she said in <sighs> an interview that it took her 17 years to finish writing Philosopher's Stone. From the time she started, like, there's that, like, really famous story of her starting it on a napkin on the train. Oh, right. Yes. From the time that happened to the time that she, like, had a manuscript to pitch, it was Mm -hmm. 17 years. Wow. I mean, I would hope she had another job, but... Yeah, I think she was a teacher. (laughs) But still. (laughs) That's wild. 17... It made me feel really good because I've been working on a novel for, like... A year. Yeah. And it's like it still It takes time to build form. an entire world. Yeah, that's... Because you can't just build the world as you go. I mean, I guess you can, but to have a, yeah. a, a... To be able to tell the story, you have to just probably go ahead and have the world and the worlds and everything kind of established. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can tweak as you go, obviously, but 
I yeah. mean, you have to have something that your characters can live and breathe in. Yes. So. It, that's that's how I've been approaching the, the fantasy piece that I'm working on. I have an outline that just goes over, like, world-building stuff. Like, this is it's a witch novel, so what types of witches are there? How is their um, hierarchy structured? Mm. Who else lives in this world? Are the witches, like... Are they the high power in the world, or are they? Do they share power with another creature? Mm-hmm. So all of that is in this outline because nice. You, I just could not. I couldn't write. I couldn't sit and just write like chapters without thinking through that part first. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it informs it so much and affects your character so much. And it affects how they can move in their own world. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. for sure. It's hard, people. It's yeah. Hard. <laughs> but now, you know, if you think about it, it's like uh, if you if you want a first edition of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone compared to what she was paid for it, can you imagine how much it's worth? I mean, the, oh yeah, you found one from the very first 500 copies printed, listed for sale for around a million dollars. Yes. American dollars this time, but mm-hmm. yeah, I had a phase where I was searching for first editions of my favorite books and quickly stopped (laughs) (laughs) because your girl never going to be able to buy a million dollar book. One book. Hey, don't cut your famous authorship short. You might, (laughs) that, that could be your treat yourself after you make it big. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently the first, um, First print, first edition, Philosopher's Stone, that first 500 copies that they were, that printed, there's like a typo on like the back cover or something. So Mm -hmm. that's how you can tell that it's one of that batch, Mm. aside from like a serial number, obviously. But, um, so any of those first 500 copies. Nice. Like kind of like the, there was a Beanie (laughs) Baby, I remember, like its name was spelled wrong on the tag and people just, before that bubble burst, people were just paying loads of money for that misprinted tag so insane (laughs) i never got into like the beanie baby collecting i wasn't a stuffed animal girl or Uh, a doll girl really (laughs) i didn't have tons of dolls but i like a soft squishy you know stuffed animal Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i still have all of my stuffed animals from childhood (laughs) they're not like on my bed or anything but they are in a nice safe zipped plastic bin or you know yeah. bag yeah preserved like i have my old winnie the poos and i have a very nice uh raggedy and she's like mm-hmm. hardly mm-hmm. she doesn't even look like i played with her yeah <laughs> so. i have one stuffed animal from childhood and actually it was it's a, it's a rabbit and it's uh it's not like fuzzy it's almost like windbreaker material okay and I still have it. It's, like, in the closet. Nice. Um, but I think my aunt, my grandma's sister, got that for me on the day of my birth. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I do have that one, but I don't, I don't have. I never really had stuffed animals. It wasn't my, I don't know that I had, like, a thing that I collected yeah. when I was younger. I had, I, I collected, like, some little tchotchke type stuff, too, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I also just have a hard time getting rid of things. I'm not a hoarder or anything, <laughs> but yeah. there are certain things that, like, if they have memories attached, like my stuffed animals, I'm just yeah. like, well, maybe I want them, or if I have a child, <laughs> I could give it to them, or... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get it. I like to keep things, too. Yeah. Um, but mostly, I collect books these days, but... As I am starting a, a larger collection because of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. I don't think... I mean, I've always been bad about buying books. I did ha- go on, like, a record buying phase in mm-hmm. my early 20s where I purchased a lot of records. Yeah. Um, I do have a... I have Please Please Me by The Beatles on vinyl. And I think that one is worth, like, $100. Wow. Um, my grandma had it in her garage. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I have Bleach by Nirvana on vinyl. Nice. Um, I have the White Album by the Beatles. I have a lot of Beatles albums <laughs> on vinyl. Uh, that was also my Beatles phase. Nice. So, yeah. We have, we have some bands, but we mostly have, um, like, soundtracks or scores to movies, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I just find this very moving. Speaking of sounds and music, there is a bird in the tree Yep, <laughs> that is making all kinds of noise. It's Not sure if you can hear it, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it'll pick up. Yeah. But... So you're just, you're just getting some, tweets. some nature yeah. tweets along with, uh, <laughs> with the pod today. <laughs> I love it. Um, and before we get into our plot points... I'll give you just a couple of stats to just show you exactly what the heyday was like. (laughs) So both the Half-Blood Prince and the Deathly Hallows, upon their release of the books, both of them sold 11 million copies in the first 24 hours of their release. Wow. (laughs) So in 48 hours, collectively... Just two books sold 22 million copies. Wowzers. That's pure insanity. (laughs) I did go to the midnight release of both of these books, and I read The Deathly Hallows in one sitting. Oh, yeah. I, I... I think it that it's not like oh thanks for my book I'm gonna go home and go to sleep now no you've committed to this you yeah. are you're cracking that sucker open and yeah. you're staying up past dawn yes because it finish. came it came out in 2007 right before my senior year and I made Dillard take me to nice. the midnight release <laughs> and um, <clears throat> this is like the conclusion of a book I've been reading since I was eight or nine. So, yeah, I, I, I can't remember if I paused partway through or near the end. I, I was very upset. Um, I was excited, but I was also very upset mm-hmm. to say goodbye to these characters I that I had been reading for so many years. Like, yeah. I, I hesitated. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was a bittersweet moment. Yes. Just the act of finishing. Because mm-hmm. at that point, you're never going to experience it for the first time again, which is a real downer yeah yeah i i almost had like a mourning period which sounds mm -hmm. so dramatic but i i really did take a break from reading for a while just to yeah just to process the end of such a huge thing Uh, yeah and my favorite character dies and i was pissed (sighs) 
There was, was a, there was a lot of that in that book that did not, in my personal opinion, need to happen. I get it's war, but yeah, I know. I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I almost like, whenever Fred died, I literally just like shut the book and I was like, I'm not finishing. Mm. I don't even care. It, that only lasted. Screw like the 10. rest of those fools. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> that only lasted like ten minutes, but I was still. You put your upset. foot down, and I'm proud of you. Yeah, I <laughs> I drew a line in the sand, but I mean, I didn't have the same reaction whenever I like because the way it's written after Harry dies, right? Mm-hmm. That's the chapter end. Yeah. So you have to like flip to the next page to know he's not actually dead. Mm-hmm. But whenever you, like, see it on the page that he's dead. I was like, well, you know, there it is. My brain kind of <laughs> was like, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. But fortunately, your brain didn't have to sit and did you, it no. yeah. limbo very long. You just flipped the page. And, and you, you had your answer. And you had your answer. <laughs> yeah. I was more upset about Fred dying than, than the idea of Harry being dead. Well, you know. That's I okay. I would accept a main character death. I was going to say we had been told for quite some time that it was going to happen. So you sort of emotionally prepared yeah. yourself. I was wondering if she was going to kill one of the Golden Trio. Well, full full disclosure, I really thought one of them was going to die. I feel like... Like maybe Ron would die. Yeah. yeah. Or Harry. You never know. Mm-hmm. I, I almost think it would have... not. Maybe, maybe I do. Most tragic out of the trio if it were Hermione. Because she just helped them both so much, mm-hmm. like, in a yeah. lot of ways. I, I feel like it would have been devastating. Just to see those boys be devastated over yeah. her loss, I think, yeah. would have made it yeah, extra, like, whoa. Yeah, because there's, a, like, one point where she's, like, battling Bellatrix. It would have been, like, wild if mm-hmm. she, Bellatrix would have killed her and then Ron would have... Like, come in and killed Bellatrix. That yes. Been, that would have been fucking crazy. Because you know what I mean? Like, I, I Harry and Hermione, like, morning Ron, like, seem, like, I don't know. It's like, I can see it in my head. But it's like, it, it seems unthinkable, Ron and Harry having to mourn Hermione. Like, I just feel like they both would have just straight up snapped. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it, know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if either of them would come back from that. I don't I think Harry probably would have, but I don't mm-hmm. think Ron I don't would think, have come no, back from that. I don't think Ron would have come back from that at all. Yeah. And if it were Harry, again, Ron and Hermione would have had each other. Yeah. They yeah. would have had each other and yeah. they would have mourned it. And they kind of had a warning, you know? Mm-hmm. But and not to say because I would have been devastated by Ron's death and surely Hermione and Ron or Hermione and Harry would have also. Yeah. But Hermione's just so logical. I think she could she, I mean, she'd be jacked up for life, but I think she would pretend like she was cool. Yeah. <laughs> eventually. And I, and I think Harry is just used to loss. He's right. Had, he's had loss his right. whole life. So I feel like. Right. Yeah. Ron's his best friend. The first like person. Yeah. That he bonded with. Yeah. But I think he still would have. He would have muscled through that. Yeah. And again, I. Poor Harry lost too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only character I think died. That should not have died as serious. Agreed. I think all the other deaths, even Fred, all the other deaths, I think, okay, yes, mm-hmm. I have reconciled myself to this. Yeah. But I I think Sirius should have lived. Because he still could have had to be stuck in a backseat role 
or even been recaptured or something, and still things could have played out the way that they did. Yeah, I I fully... That's the... the Yeah, I think that's the one misstep I would have called out of the books, is serious. Yeah. Like... He sh- he should have made it to the end. Yeah. I think Harry has the Weasleys, of course, but like that's not the he s- needed. Yeah, serious. Yeah. He needed him, and I I just it sh- he should have lived, and I will I will die on this hill. I, I will die on that hill with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have not talked about the Philosopher's Stone hardly at all. At all, it's so hard because you're like it's a whole the thing. whole thing. It's a whole but. thing. Harry Potter has never played a sport while flying on a broomstick. He's never worn a cloak of invisibility, befriended a giant, or helped hatch a dragon egg. All Harry knows is a miserable life with the Dursleys, his horrible aunt and uncle, and their abominable son, Dudley. Harry's room is a tiny closet at the foot of the stairs, and he hasn't had a birthday party in 11 years. But all of that is about to change when a mysterious letter arrives by Owl Messenger, a letter with an invitation to a wonderful place he never dreamed existed. There he finds not only friends, aerial sports, and magic around every corner, but a great destiny that's been awaiting him, if Harry can survive the encounter. Ooh. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't say sorcery in that either. But it mentions aerial sports slash him playing a sport. More than once. Yeah. Quidditch is important. Quidditch is important. Do the rules, is it kind of nonsensical game? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Do I still enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I the rules of every real sport are nonsensical. Football, get out of here. That shit doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, people like to nitpick Quidditch a lot, but it's like, yes, is it silly that one thing wins the entire game and is worth all the points, but that's the how interesting would the game be if you just watched people sit around waiting for a golden thing to fly by you gotta have something else to watch and also the seekers have to have something to dodge you know that's where the bludgers and stuff come in yeah exactly and then you gotta make it even more interesting maybe people are just super good at scoring that quaffle so you know and we yeah that happens in book four yeah i used to think it was ridiculous because i you know listened to all the naysayers but then the more i thought about it i was like no it's fine it's yeah. great. It's fun. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially because, like, they're not, you know, our sports are all based around the time clock. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, when the clock runs out, the game's over. Mm-hmm. But the point of Quidditch, well, part, one good aspect is that there's the potential that that match could go on for months. Yeah. And it has historically. Yes. So that that is, like, a really unique yeah. sport. I swear there's one, and I can't remember if it was, like, three months or three years, but it was an excessive amount of time. Yeah, so long. (laughs) That that snitch was just gone. It was just like, bye. It flew around the world a few times and then decided to show back up. Thanks, Magellan. (laughs) Now, that's a game where the quaffle really could have come in handy. Yeah. Because you could have had one that was, like, way up, and the the teams were like, I don't care who wins anymore. Somebody catch that dang thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so... Harry Potter, protagonist. Main dude. Obviously, the book is named after him. (laughs) If it was someone else, I would be super surprised. (laughs) That'd be really funny, though. (laughs) Subverting expectations. Yes. Um, Then we have Ron Weasley. He's best friend to HP. And then just his whole 
fam family. Yeah. The we've got Molly and Arthur, who are the parents. Yeah. And then we've got Bill, Charlie, Percy, Fred, George, and Jenny. Yep. So many Weasleys. So many Weasleys. I do always forget about Percy though. I kind of do too. And he's like at school with them. I know. <laughs> Uh, he's just so forgettable to me. Such a pompous turd. Yeah. Come on. He does make up right in the end. True. Very true. But uh, then we move on to Hermione. She is the third leg of the tripod. Yes. She's the, the other best friend. The, the third friend that creates the trio. The brains of this operation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> then we have sweet Neville Longbottom, who... Is part of the crew, more so yeah. in the book, especially. Yeah. I think he's what we call, like, a member of the Silver, silver trio. trio. Yeah. Is the Silver Trio now? We don't have the other two members yet, but... Yeah. I are think. they Luna and Ginny? Ginny, okay. I believe, yeah. Neville, Luna, and Ginny. So yeah. I think they... That's, like, the group that goes to the Ministry in Order of the Phoenix. Yes, you're so. right. And then we have Draco Malfoy, our... Bully. Our bully, of yeah. the series. Yeah. And Hagrid. Sweet Hagrid. Our big old lovable Hagrid. And his dog, Fang. Yes. He's got a bloodhound named Fang. Yes. Uh, and then we have Hedwig, which is Harry's owl. Mm-hmm. His first pet. Oh, His first friend, really. His, yeah. Oh. <laughs> R.I.P. Hedwig. <laughs> Um, the Dursleys. Maybe they're bully number one, just as a whole. We've yeah. got Aunt Petunia, Uncle Vernon, and then their piece of trash child, Dudley. Dudley. Yeah. At least he starts out as a piece of trash. He yeah. somewhat redeems himself later. But yeah, I mean, he... Not for a long, long time. Yeah, he... Uh, sort of <laughs> is fine at the end. He has a moment. He has, he has a moment. A moment. <laughs> Um, Albus Dumbledore. Every time I say his name, I think of the Harry Potter puppet house. Snape. 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 Dumbledore. <laughs> Hermione. Hermione. Ron. Ron. Ron Weasley. It's so funny. I think I've probably watched Harry Potter puppet pals. I mean, it, too many times. It's got like a billion views on YouTube, and I think maybe. A million of those are me. <laughs> so it makes me laugh every single time. You don't have a million dollars for a first edition, but you do have enough time for a million views. Yes, I do. Of Puppet Pals. Got nothing but time. <laughs> He's the one that knows everything and tells very little and is the, you know, headmaster of yes. Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. He's the greatest wizard of the age. His accolades are pretty impressive. They are. And he is funny. He is. He's really funny. I love a good quirky character. Agreed. Agreed. McGonagall. Professor Minerva McGonagall. Probably the best teacher because she's stirred when she needs to be, but she's also kind and warm-hearted when she needs to be. You don't see a lot of the kind warm-hearted in this one necessarily, but you mm. do see moments where the kids soften her a bit, yeah. so I like her a lot. Yes. Someone who is not softened by the hearts of children at all would be Professor Severus Snape. 
Yeah. No. Um, he's another bully. Mm-hmm. He hates Harry. Hates him. But he swirls up potions real good. Yeah. Dude's <laughs> smart. Dude's smart. And he's the head of Slytherin House. Yeah. Uh, McG- McGonagall is the head of Gryffindor House. Yes. So. Yes, she is. Uh, yeah. And then Sick. The only, like, other main teacher, uh, Flitwick. Flitwick. Oh, I he, love him. He's so I precious. do, too. He's the head of... Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw and the charms teacher. Mm-hmm. Takes a little backseat in this book, but he is mentioned... Yeah. You know, a handful of times, so... Yeah. And then we have Professor Quirrell. Mm-hmm. Um, he's... Defense Against the Dark Arts, but... Yeah. By his description, I don't understand why that man has that... No. Has that position <laughs> at all. I'm wondering if he got the position... I don't... Well... Because, spoiler alerts for the end, Voldemort is attached to the back of his head. Right. But not until after he fails to do something. I can't remember if it was... He failed to do something in the beginning because, yeah, when he first met Harry, he did not have the turban on. Oh, it was because he failed to get the Philosopher's yes. Stone from Gringotts that day. So he, Voldemort was like, I'm keeping a closer eye on you. Yes. And then he gets on the turban. But he says that he meets Voldemort... When he was younger, in his travels. So he may have met him, had his travels, and then been swayed by Voldemort to take the position. I never, that never even occurred to me. Yes. Until this very moment. Yeah. And they probably were just, they're always struggling to fill that post. So he was probably the only applicant, and that's why he got the job. Yeah. I think because somebody cursed it, because they wouldn't give it to him. Because I think Voldemort, I won't, I won't ultimately spoiler that but you know i think he wanted it didn't get it so he cursed it yeah and we've said his name 10 million times voldemort or voldemort depending on how you agree whether you're supposed to say the t or not um he's our ultimate big bad he is of the series of the whole shebang killed Harry's parents and set everything in motion. He did. He did. Tried to kill Harry himself. Couldn't. Just um, a wee little babe. Oh. <laughs> okay. So those are really all the characters we deal with. Yeah. In this book, mostly. As I say, there's a few outliers that we but, didn't mention. But yeah. But not that they don't matter, because all of them do. But we they're they're not really integral. Not to this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when we first meet the Dursleys, they don't have Harry yet. No. Uncle Vernon works at a company that sells drills. And Aunt Petunia is a housewife. Dudley's a baby. A stupid, stupid baby. Yeah. He sounded awful even as a baby. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> it, they, And like the f- opening chapter <clears throat> when you meet the Dursleys... I didn't ever notice the descriptions of the Dursleys (laughs) until I was listening to Smug Book Club. They do Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And the description of Uncle Vernon is he's um, a large man with a thick mustache and hardly any neck. (laughs) And Petunia is thin and blonde with twice the usual amount of neck. Mm Mm-hmm. For craning it at the neighbors to get <laughs> yeah. into their business. It's just really funny that she describes their neck size. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
not an attribute I tend to hone in on with people, but <laughs> yeah, they're clearly important. That's a nice <laughs> neck you got there. <laughs> Usually that's only vampires saying so. But. Yes, true. <laughs> true. But, uh, so yeah, the Durs, and Vernon notices some weird shit going on. He sees some owls in the daylight. He sees people in robes and he's like, oh, why can't they wear normal clothes? Because right. as we're told, the Dursleys absolutely hate anything that is not completely mundane and normal. Yeah. Out of the norm, get out of here. No. Yeah. Anything abnormal, not a chance. They're not going to deal with any of that nonsense. But the uh, statutes of secrecy for the wizarding world are uh, a little lax today. And yeah. we notice star showers and all kinds of things. So, yeah. So People are celebrating things. something. We just don't know what. Not yet. And then Vernon. Well, uh, yeah, I guess that's really all there is about like meeting them. Yeah. He notices. Yeah. And he tries to bring it up to Petunia, but is scared. Yeah. <laughs> because she doesn't like talking about her sister, who's Harry's mom. Yeah. Yeah. And then after they go sweetly to sleep, that's when Dumbledore shows up on their street with Minerva McGonagall and Sweet Hagrid, who's carrying Sweet Baby Harry. Mm-hmm. Everyone is celebrating because Voldemort is gone, but Harry's parents are dead. Yeah. And he is now an orphan. He and is. he needs somewhere to live. Now, I don't think the series ever says, but I want to know what happened to all the grandparents. Why is it that the only living relative this sweet poor boy mm-hmm. has is the Dursleys? I know. I have I read somewhere that it was theorized that Voldemort had killed had killed Lily and Petunia's parents. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why she hated Lily so much. Oh. I don't know about the Potters. I mean, the Potters were a pretty prominent yeah. magical family, it seems like. Yeah. Or, well, and maybe not really prominent, wealthy. but, yeah. yeah. I think one of Harry's ancestors on the Potter side invented something. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, where I they got their right. money from. But James was an only child, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, you know, no aunts know. and uncles on that side. But and right. I get they also didn't want him growing up in the wizarding world, mm-hmm. being famous. They wanted him to have humble beginnings, but I don't think they wanted him this humbled because these people beat this poor child into the absolute ground. Yeah, just emotionally. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Think I don't think they do physically, but they might as right. well have. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, they neglect him emotionally, abuse him. Um, sometimes punishment is, like, going to bed without food, so... Yeah. He's, like, skinny and small for his age. Yeah. I mean, it's probably has something to do with his room being the cupboard under the stairs. Now, they want to stamp the magic out that they know is in him that Harry is unaware of, but don't you think that it would have worked better had they welcomed him with open arms and, like, forced the love of the the complete normal down his throat rather than treating him like trash. Yeah. Cause his really, his displays of magic come out in times of fear and extreme embarrassment or emotional turmoil. Mm-hmm. And he lives in emotional all of that. Turmoil. So he's always <laughs> bursting with magic. Right. <laughs> um, so the first real like magic we see him do is at the zoo. He goes mm-hmm. to the zoo with the Dursleys for Dudley's birthday. 
And he meets the snake and he was chit-chatting with yep. the snake. Dursley and his friend get to go to the zoo for Dursley's birthday. Oh, not Dursley. Well, <laughs> Dudley. Yeah. I mean, yeah. whatever. Dudley, Dursley, turd bag. You know. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they want the snake to move. The snake doesn't move. But then all of a sudden, Harry's talking to it and it's responding. Yeah. And it's moving. And it's grooving. So then uh, Dudley's friend notices, calls everyone over, and then, oops, the glass disappears. Yep. And the snake escapes. Yep. He And it just, you know, the snake wants to go back to Brazil. Yeah. Well, I think it was bred in captivity, yeah, but it, it wants to visit Brazil. It wants to go to its motherland. Yes. It says, Brazil, here I come. I think. <laughs> and it says, like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's said so you could... The opening chapters really feel like a children's book. Yeah. It's yeah. so, like, precious. Because mm-hmm. that is definitely something you would have, like, latched onto as a child. Thanks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and the letters come. Harry is punished. For of course. The, for the snake. Even if it was unintentional, he set a snake loose. So he's, he's in big trouble, per usual. <laughs> per usual. And... Um, he is, it doesn't say how long he's locked in his cupboard, but by the time he gets out, the summer holidays have started. Yeah. And he, uh, one morning, there's a letter for him. Which is absolutely unusual. And it is addressed to Mr. H. Potter, covered under the stairs. They know where he lived, guys. Exactly. Not just the house, but the room. The room. (laughs) Obviously, the Dursleys are completely freaked out by this, and they know... They don't know, uh, no, they do. Yeah, Yeah. because Petunia knows that her sister was accepted to the school. So they know exactly what this is. Want no part of it. Want Harry to have no part of it. And they will not let him read this letter. No. So the more, but the more they avoid it, the more letters come. Yeah. Letters coming everywhere. Out of, uh, eggshells and. (laughs) Down the chimney like Santa. Yeah. Just tons of them. This the the scene in the movie is really precious. Yeah. There's like so many letters. But then you have like people are like, What there's so many. How did Harry not just like snag one? Right. And the way it is in the book, it the it, it it they just close the door to yeah. the room. So there's no like big grabbing the air scene. Yeah. And also he's excited. Your your brain is not thinking logically when you're a child and you're excited. Things are flying around your head. Yeah. But I, I always point out in the movie <laughs> That when he's laying there in in Vernon's arms and he's like, let go of me. The letters are mine. His (laughs) mouth is completely clenched. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, ADR, that's fine. It it happens. It's not a big irk, but it just makes me laugh every single time. I'm like, he's he's rocking some ventriloquism, a different kind of magic. (laughs) Yes. So to get away from all of these letters, they they move about, but eventually they end up in a hut in the middle of a sea somewhere. They're on like an island. You can get there by boat and that's about it. Yeah. And there's like a mad storm raging on. (laughs) And then we have a big old knock at the door. Mm -hmm. And it's Hagrid. Big, lovable, giant Hagrid. Who is here to not only deliver Harry's letter to school, but also to wish him a happy birthday. The boy's turning 11. Mm-hmm. He's growing up before our very eyes. Before our very eyes. He actually brings Harry a cake, which I'm certain he's 
never had one for his own. Like, he's probably had leftover scrap cake from, you know, stuff. But never one for him. Never. And Hagrid tells him, you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. (laughs) It's really, really precious. And Harry just doesn't believe it. He's like, no, no, no. You have to be mistaken. (laughs) I couldn't be a wizard. And then he kind of states the obvious. Have you ever done anything that you didn't mean to happen? And he thinks about the glass with the snake and floating up to the roof of the school when the bullies were chasing him and making his hair grow yeah, when hair. his Aunt Petunia chopped it off like a freak. <laughs> Just to, I, I yeah. swear she did these things on purpose to punish yeah. the poor boy. <laughs> she like shaved his whole head and left bangs so it would cover his scar. Yeah. He's got the <laughs> yes. lightning scar. We didn't say that, but he's got a lightning bolt scar. Oh, yes. That is where Voldemort attempted to kill End him. his life. Yeah. Uh, f- funny, just a short aside, that, that was actually a thing when I was in elementary school, boys would have shaved heads with bangs. I do remember <laughs> in middle school that having like longer bangs in the front and like mm-hmm. spiking them up mm-hmm. was a thing, but, and the like, duck bill. yeah, and the rest of the hair was like short, Yes, but I don't remember any of the boys having like shaved yeah. shaved heads with like this was actual my cuffed. elementary years so you you would have been probably <laughs> kindergarten if not preschool <laughs> <laughs> so the fat head thankfully passed by the time you you reached yeah that's <laughs> a bold hairstyle <laughs> you know weirdly <laughs> the 90s was a weird time it it yeah there was a lot of experimental hair going on yeah so, you know. Oh, Hagrid also gives Dudley uh, a pig's tail here. Yes, the Dursleys are being absolutely nasty, disparaging, mm-hmm. not only just like wizardry in general, but the school, mm-hmm. its headmaster, mm-hmm. her sister and her husband, mm-hmm. who went and quote unquote got themselves blown, blown up. up. Kiss yeah. a butt, lady. Yeah. So, and uh, Hagrid's having no more of this. Nah. And Dudley's being a little pig, and so he just, soup soup, pig's tail. Pig's tail. He wanted to do more, but mm-hmm. you know, Hagrid, uh, not technically supposed to do magic, right? He's got a secret wand and a sweet pink umbrella. Hella. But um, you know, I think the pig's tail did the job, and uh, it it got the point across. Yes, that he was trying to make. Yeah. So. So he rescues Harry from the Dursleys at least for a little bit. Takes him shopping for a school supplies. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, while Harry's uh, getting fitted for his robes, he meets Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Who is quite a lot like his uh, cousin Dudley, so he's pretty sure that's not a person he wants to hang with. Yes, exactly. Which is really funny because Draco doesn't know who he is, who mm-hmm. Harry is. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's not like trying to kiss up to him or anything he's just talking to him like but for a stranger he is still pretty you know yeah obvious with his beliefs and feelings like right he don't care he he'll tell just about anybody (laughs) yeah exactly so his nasty opinions and like when harry i think says that his parents are dead or whatever and draco's like oh i'm sorry yeah it's very (laughs) (laughs) so yeah not a lot of compassion in, in that, that one's heart, for no. sure. He, no, definitely not. But Diagon Alley is, like, pretty cool. 
Like, they go to all the yeah. places and the shops, and Harry has all this money because he's found out that in Gringotts, his bank account is flush with cash. <laughs> John Ralphio, <laughs> yes. Uh, had to put it in there. Yeah, y- yes. It's perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, we. I guess we kind of skipped Gringotts. He had to go get his money there first. Yeah, yeah. Before, you know, spending his sweet cash on swag. Yeah. But, uh, and he, you know, and, and Hagrid gets him a birthday present. He gets Hedwig. Aww. But we will back up to Gringotts a little bit. So they go so they can get Harry's money so he can buy his stuff. But Hagrid also has a little side mission, if you will. And he's supposed to retrieve something for, uh, Professor Dumbledore. And yeah. we don't know what it is. It's just a little parcel. Yeah. From. Vault 713. Yeah. Wait, is that it? 713? 713? Vault. 700 and... Uh, I don't remember. Whoops. I, I don't remember either. 713 is sticking in my brain, yeah. but I don't know yeah. if that's actually it. could it. be it. 700... Is it 786? I don't remember. You know, we could look it up for you guys, but it doesn't really matter it's, that much. Yeah, it's not that deep. It, but it could be 713. But anyway, he gets this little parcel from this... From this vault. Now, we do learn something interesting. It's one of the high security vaults. And if someone were to try and steal something, they would just be locked in there without escape. And they maybe check it like once a month or something. Why did you retrieve it from there, Dumbledore? Mm -hmm. Obviously, he has a plan for it. Because if he really, really, really wanted to keep it untouched and safe, Mm -hmm. he would have left it where it was. Because I believe the thief would have just been trapped in there. But I don't know. Maybe don't know. maybe the extra dark magic would have just been easy peasy for them. Yeah. It's very hard to say. But I do feel that there was a clear motive and a yeah. plan in place. Yes, certainly. <laughs> and then, so, the next major thing is when Harry gets his wand at mm, Ollivander's. Yes. Not nearly as uh, destructive as it is depicted in the movies. It's yeah. just swap, 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 swap. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but eventually he gets one that is Holly and Phoenix Feather. That's the right one. (laughs) Yeah, and ironically, the Phoenix that provided the feather for Harry's wand also provided a feather for Voldemort's wand. Whoa. So, (laughs) ironic and... Is this going to come up again? Obviously, yes. Yes, it is, 100%. <laughs> Maybe not today. No. Not for, like, three books. Three more books? Yeah. <laughs> then poor Harry has to go back to the Dursleys for just a little bit until he mm-hmm. gets to go to school. Yeah. I, I do feel that Hagrid should have been a little more specific about Getting the workings up. of yeah. the platform. Yeah. But the Dursleys begrudgingly drop Harry off, and he uh, and he sets out to figure out how to get to platform nine and three quarters. Yeah, and he's like, um, he asks someone, and they're like, "Come off it! Yeah, that's not real." Yeah, and he's like, Ugh. "Stop messing with me, child." Yeah. <laughs> so, but luckily, he comes across a family of wizards because he knows they are because they say the term Muggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Train station's full of muggles. Yeah. So he's like, 
I'm going to follow them. Yeah. Maybe they can help me. <laughs> and they do. Yeah. Because it's the Weasleys. Yep. The, the people with the million children and hearts of gold. Hearts of gold. They may not have a lot of gold in their bank, but they have a lot in their heart. They do. They're rich at heart. Yes, they are. I, if not my own family, I would want to be part of the Weasley family. I agree. My I, ideal house, I mean, just the coziness of the borough, I mm-hmm. want to live there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if I was going to pick a wizarding family to be a part of, I'd pick the Weasleys for sure. Mm-hmm. Without d- d- a doubt. I would I would help them financially, too. I'd be like, let me chip in. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the Weasleys help him get onto platform nine and three quarters. He's at the train. He gets in the compartment. He sits. And they're all alone. And then Ron. Ron shows up. He's like, hey, can I sit here? And Harry's like, yeah. And then little Ron has his little sandwiches. They're all squishy. Mm-hmm. But he'll happily eat them because that's what he's got. That's what he's got. And then Harry, for the first time in his life... Has cash to spend, Mm -hmm. and there is a cart full of candies, and he gets... In the book, he does not take the whole lot. He is not selfish, but he does take a few of everything. Yeah, Yeah, he gets a few of everything and shares with Ron. I I think it's so sweet in the book how it talks about, like, this is the first time he's had something to share. Yeah. And that's what he wants to do with it. It's not like... I have all this candy. It's mine. Like, he's not selfish with it. He's like, I finally have something that I can share with someone. Yeah. And even in consideration of Ron's feelings, he's like, oh, I'll swap you one of these for one of your sandwiches. It's just so very thoughtful and so very sweet. And I just absolutely love it. Yeah. Because there is that, like, some people, if you're obvious with your, like, Mm -hmm. let me give this to you. Yeah. That is is kind of like a, I'm not a charity case. Right. So you don't need to give me your shit. Right. And Harry being 11 years old and already intuitively knowing it's going to be better for me if I... Trade. Trade. Yeah. Because he's then, he's giving me something, I'm giving him something. It's not, it's, we're on even footing. Yes. Yeah. We're even. I'm not above him. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that a, an 11-year-old is... Making that connection. Yeah, he he truly is very mature for his age and his thought process of mm-hmm. things, which there's another moment later that um, I thought was very mature of him that I'll, I'll mention when we get there. But um, and then, yeah, for all the like the movie Ron haters, like even in this one, we get some really great moments of Ron, like in that compartment. He's like telling him about all his siblings and all the hand-me-downs. But like the way that it's done, it's not necessarily... I guess it's a little poor me, but it just, the way that he tells it, it just informs his, like, emotional state and, like, Mm -hmm. why he feels the way he feels Mm -hmm. and feels kind of set aside or, like, what he does might not matter because he's already had successful brothers ahead of them and it's just kind of expected. Even though his parents don't strike me as the type to be like, you must succeed, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they just seem all like they want their children to do things like any parent, you know. Yeah. To be people that they can be proud of. But yeah. I just think we get a cool moment of Ron kind of sharing his heart in this moment. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. like it. I like it a lot. It stuck out to me. Yeah. And he also shares with Harry that he, his family doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah. And then Harry, that gives Harry an opportunity to be like, 
I've never had anything either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, until he found out he was a wizard, he had nothing. He wore all Dudley's old clothes and that kind of like bonded them a little. Cause yeah, they, that bonded them even know. more. Because yeah. yeah, Ron's gotten all the hand-me-downs and all the broken things. I mean, yeah. his wand has the hair sticking out the end, poor boy. I know. You know. Yeah. So yeah, they they there's multiple levels that they, but that's just another deeper emotional level that they really like instantly bond on. Yeah. You know. And yeah. I just I like it a lot. I like it too. It's really precious. Yeah. And you know they're they're buds from the jump. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And we even see like um, Hermione comes in. Mm-hmm. At one point, trying to help Neville find Trevor, his toad, mm-hmm. who's always jumping off somewhere (laughs) he's always getting away and you know she immediately position positions herself as being the know-it-all yes which is really i find it really endearing and cute yes yeah Um, she and she's bossy so and they're little boys they're like get out of here bossy girl yeah yeah very this is very like 11 year old children yes they don't want to be bossed around and and she's she knows that she's smarter than everyone, and she right. lets them know it. And they know that she what she's saying is right. Yeah. You know, they, she's yeah. like, you should change into your robes. They're, and they're just like, no. They're like, yeah, we probably should. Yeah, like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> you know, we probably should put on our robes. Yeah. So it just, it's really cute. It's really yeah. cute. And then I think we even have an, an altercation with Draco. That's where yes. Draco finds out. Who Harry is. Yeah, he, he's gotten wind of who Harry yes. is now. But since he sees that he's friends with Ron, mm-hmm. you know, we're not. Yeah. A, he acts unimpressed when he Red has the hair. two. Yeah. Hand me down robes. Must be obviously. <laughs> I can find the wrong sort for myself, thanks. Yep. <laughs> I love that moment in the books mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> yeah, because Harry's known Ron for like an hour or so. Yeah, yeah. And he's already like taking up for him yeah i almost wonder if like the wrongs oh the wrong sort comment is actually in the um uh the rope shop i think because draco in true fashion is like talking smack about hagrid outside the window Mm -hmm. and he's just like "Mm, no (laughs) yeah i can see for myself that you are Human not. trash. Yeah, you're not <laughs> so, my kind of people. Right. What? But yeah, whether it happens in the robe shop or in that compartment, it's like Harry knows exactly who this Draco fool is. Yeah, he's clocked him 100%. Mm-hmm. And then we get off the train. They take the boats across the lake. All the first years with Hagrid. Mm, it's a beautiful sight. The castle. They see Hogwarts for candles the first time. lit up and- they're, yeah, and they're all, like, cloistered in the entrance hall waiting to find out how they're going to get sorted into their houses. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, if there's a test, I'm going to fail. What yeah. the hell? I'm in big trouble. <laughs> and Ron says that friend George told him that it's some sort of test and it's really painful. Yeah, they, t- <laughs> they told him it hurt. <laughs> so... Even Ron doesn't really know. It seems like yeah. in some families they kind of leave a little bit of mystery. Yeah, I would. I had never really thought about it until I watched a video um, by these cool brothers on YouTube called the Carlin Brothers, and they had this pretty neat theory that um, 
the sorting hat secret was like kept by a secret keeper, which is why it's seeming like the ones that know about it know about it, but still can't talk about it like tell their mm-hmm. kids and that's why it's a mystery it's like oh that's interesting it's it's such a cool theory um you should absolutely go watch it on youtube um they zero percent know i exist but i am 100 percent gonna promote that that video specifically yeah. they have some really cool ones like if harry was sorted into slytherin and spoiler alert he gets sorted into gryffindor <laughs> but but yeah they just had these really cool theory videos but but yeah, the the sorting hat thing because I was wondering, I was like, why is it that like none of these children know how this works? Yeah. Why did no one tell at least one of them? Like, yeah. Right. What? Yeah. So the fact that it's like a secret keeper sort of secret, I thought was a, a pretty cool explanation of of why it would be that way. I agree. That is very cool. Um. So yeah, we get to the sorting hat. The sorting hat sings its song. The songs are sorely missed in the in the movies for me. Yes, they absolutely Especially are. Especially later, the more informative they get. Yeah, exactly. Um, so most, I'm guessing everyone hearing this knows the four houses, but they're Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, and Hufflepuff. Yes. So. Our golden trio, they're all in Gryffindor. Gryffindor. And um, Draco Malfoy goes to Slytherin. Yeah. I know... Quite a lot of lovely Slytherins in my life, but in the books, they are the house that typically, if you are, um, you know, dark magic inclined, you tend to go to Slytherin. But mm-hmm. one of their major traits is ambition, and mm-hmm. sometimes ambition is paired with like being a little evil or a little power hungry. So, yeah, yeah. not every Slytherin is a bad guy, right? But Unfortunately, a good majority of them turn turn that way. It's like most of the bad guys are Slytherins, but not most Slytherins are bad guys. Right. So, but um, yeah, uh, Neville, Hermione, Ron, and Harry are all Gryffindors. Yeah. Gryffindors um, traits are um, bravery. Boldness. Yeah. Um, and then Ravenclaw, uh, wit and intelligence. Creativity. And then um, our sweet little Hufflepuffs are <laughs> kind and loyal yeah. and gentle. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I am a Ravenclaw. I am a Hufflepuff. Now, I was originally sorted to Ravenclaw, but every quiz I ever took, I was like so 50-50 Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff that it was so close. And then mm-hmm. when they revamped the Pottermore site, I had to retake the test and I was re-sorted into Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. And although I, I loved Ravenclaw, being a Ravenclaw, I I never felt like I quite fit because I, I just didn't feel smart enough to, to belong. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I am a creative person, but but yeah, yeah I, I I went ahead and uh, allowed the resorting to occur, and and I identify with a Hufflepuff now. But I, I think I think both houses are are wonderful. Of course, um, I actually. Lauren is a Hufflepuff and Emily is a Hufflepuff (laughs) and that one surprises me a little that surprised me a lot actually yeah not Not, anything bad (laughs) against Emily that's just not the house I would I would have thought I fully expected her to get Ravenclaw if I'm being honest Mm -hmm. yeah Um, but she did not I want to say Jerry is a Hufflepuff as well. Nice. I that's a toss up between Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff yeah. for me, but I feel like she 
she leans a little more Hufflepuff, yeah. but Dakota's Gryffindor. Nice. Caleb is a Slytherin. Slytherin, yeah. <laughs> I actually know quite a few Hufflepuff Slytherin couples, so those I kind know. of uh, those kind of uh, personalities, I guess, lend lend well to yeah. a relationship, I suppose. What's weird is Dakota's brother Dallas is a Gryffindor, and his wife Rihanna is a Ravenclaw. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> weird boldness and wit, and then you know, <laughs> loyalty oh. and. Uh, Ambition? Yeah. Sure. I don't know. But it works. Yeah. I think I think it's more reliable than uh, astrological signs. I agree. In my opinion. I agree. Because <laughs> astrological signs are silly. I am technically a cancer and I don't I never read my horoscope or anything, mm-hmm. but anything I've ever come across that's like a typical cancer, mm-hmm. I'm like that I would that that is not, none of that describes yeah. my personality yeah. in any way. Now, I'm an Aries or technically, I guess, an Aries Pisces cusp because my birthday is so close to the switch. Yeah, um, I am a cusper as well. Yeah. Cancer Leo. I mean, aren't, I will say that some of it describes me like, I can be very meek and sweet, but also like if my fuse gets lit. <laughs> yeah. You know, Maybe watch out, but it's not ever, I don't ever direct it at a person. It's more like just screaming into the void, but, um, but I feel like the descriptions are designed in a way to apply to, if you think about it hard enough, apply to just about anybody. Oh uh, yeah. That's, and that's kind of how it ends up working. Yeah. Cause it could, yeah. Cause anyone on any given day could potentially have that trait. I don't yeah. know. I just always, they always describe cancers as being really emotional and sensitive. Mm. And I'm like, <laughs> not this girl. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I think everyone is emotional. Yeah. But I think outwardly emotional yeah. is not who the person I am at yeah. all. And I would never consider myself sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the, like the Aries, like being prone to anger or whatever, like they, they make it seem like very rash and like bursting anger, but also like almost super bold. I mm-hmm. am not super bold. Now, if I have to, like, mama bear protect, like, a friend of mine or something, mm-hmm. the boldness comes more easily. But if it's yeah. for me, <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I it's like, yeah, if I think about, well, everybody gets mad. Like uh, yeah, true. You know? But but the, the Hogwarts houses, I think, mm-hmm. one, you take a quiz and you're, like, kind of. Not everyone takes a quiz. Some people just choose their house. And that's fine, too. But that's the thing. You get to choose or take a quiz that kind of aligns with your answers. So I just feel Mm -hmm. like it takes who you are as a person more into account than just, oh, you were born here. So this is is who you are. Exactly. Um, And Harry actually gets to choose. True. Because he... He doesn't choose which one he wants to be in. He chooses which one he does not want to be in. Correct. He does not want Slytherin. Because he does have a thirst to prove himself, which, you know, ambition. Mm -hmm. And he could have been one of the good ones, but he did not want to be stuck with the example he'd been given. Again, like a guy who was like his cousin who he lived Mm -hmm. with for 11 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, thank you. Yeah. He he was like, "Mm, it's a no for me. Right. Please don't put me in Slytherin. The hat Who was like, well, okay. Then better be Gryffindor. 
It's such a precious scene in the movie. He's it like is. very like lit up and excited. Yes. And the lighting is very like warm lighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very precious. The the first two movies are just like a sweet bonfire hug and yeah. I just love it so much. Yeah, they're they're not taking themselves too seriously. It's very playful. Very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Very 10-year-olds will love this. Christopher Columbus knows what he's doing. He he does. And his daughter was in the film, That's too. right. She was Susan, Susan. Bones. <laughs> She's so cute. She was really cute. Oh. Can you imagine just being, like, 10 years old and you get to be in Harry Potter? Heck, yeah. I was really pissed at my parents when I was young. Like, 11, 12 years old. I'm like, <laughs> why are we... Not British. If if we had lived in England, I'm the perfect age to be in Harry Potter. It's your fault that I was not in the films. Yeah. Mom. Because <laughs> I also, like, when I was a child, kind of looked a little like what Hermione was supposed to look like. I had a lot of hair. It's not curly, but, I mean, my hair can be large. Yeah. <laughs> And I have, like, I had, like, large front teeth as well. Aww. So I could have, like, passed. You would have been. Visually. I don't know if I'm a thespian. You would have been perfect. I, was, I just know it. I was very mad. I was like, Mom, oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Took away my dreams before you even knew that they were my dreams. <laughs> Why didn't you anticipate my needs? <laughs> oh, so Snape. Yeah. Sitting at the table with the other teachers. <sighs> yeah. It's it's dislike from the beginning. He's from the gl- jump. He's glaring at Harry and Harry's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I didn't I don't know you. Who's that guy hating on me with his eyeball daggers? <laughs> with his long greasy hair and his hooked nose. Yeah. What's what's that guy's beef? Oh, it's me. Oh. Sick. Great. Cool. <laughs> Par for the course. Right. So we eventually find out that Snape went to school with Harry's parents and mm-hmm. had a very strong dislike for Harry's dad. Yes. James. James was not kind to Snape. That's true. James himself was a bit of a bully. To Snape only. I am guessing yes. Have we even... Yeah. I mean, he seemed likable, liked by others, just not Snape. Yeah. But I feel his bullying of Snape probably had something to do with the girl that he liked. Yeah. But I digress. Yeah. And it's I not okay. It's not okay. It's never okay to bully. And um it's it sucks. I would I do think I would really like to have a TV show of The Marauders. The Marauders. Oh yeah. yeah. That would be I think that is what they should do next. They yeah. should stop all of this um Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts nonsense. It's not canon, and I do not accept it. I was looking forward to it until they just, like, took it into a million different directions and didn't keep it cohesive and were just, like, jamming cute animals into the story to make it a fantasy. It's like, if you want to tell Dumbledore and Grindelwald, give it its own thing. Yeah. If you want to tell Newt Scamander, and it, give it its own thing. Like, don't jam these two ideas yeah. together and, like, force the story, you know, whatever. I, I also really think that... They sh- that J.K. should have just written the 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 story. If she want if Warner Brothers wanted those stories, I feel like she should have written the books for them. Yes, because 
the second movie especially, there's so much going on, which she probably could have translated better into a book format. Right. But in a movie format, it just that much information just does not gel. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they, I only watched the first Fantastic Beast. I didn't watch the rest. I, I thought it was fine. I didn't love the um, American wizards and witches. Mm. Uh, I really didn't like their lingo. We spent <laughs> so long in, like, muggle mm. and all of the regular Harry Potter lingo. And then yeah. you come over here, you enter the chat. <laughs> late in the game and you're using terms like nomadge i really hated it i'm not gonna I, not be a wizard and then be called a nomadge you I, can call me a muggle all day long i but don't you dare call me a nomadge i think the that term specifically ruined it all for me i kept hearing it and i could not get over it i will say jacob kowalski is an absolute delight and I just adore his character. Yeah. I thought the visual effects were nice. Yes. Um, I liked Colin Farrell. Maybe because he's hot, I think, specifically. And a great actor. He's he, a great actor. They should have just kept him. They should have just kept him. I, don't, I, I know that that wouldn't have worked with the story. But maybe he, they should have found out a way. <laughs> yeah. Because I liked him. I thought he did great. Yeah. I Yeah. But anyway. I don't even remember how we got here. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The Marauders. Right. But, and we don't find this out till the end of the book, but I don't ever remember knowing this, but I guess James saved Snape's life at some point. Yes. And so Dumbledore figures that's uh, at least one of the reasons that, you know, Snape sort of... Hates Harry. It sort of protects, but also sort of hates Harry. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to owe your father, so... <laughs> Yeah. When I, I think eventually, I I don't think that, well, I think obviously Snape hated James and that's why Snape is projecting that on Harry because yeah. Harry looks just like James. Right. But also Harry is a reminder that Lily is dead. Yeah. And so that probably, it's probably 50-50. Yeah. He hated James. For being and, an absolute jerk. And getting what he wanted. Yeah. And yeah. Harry is just there reminding Snape right. every day of what he never had and can now never right. get. Can you understand it on a level? Yes. But in reality, this is a child who has been abused his entire life and you're going to continue that cycle. And never got to know his own parents. You absolute piece of bat droppings. Yeah. How, <laughs> how selfish is that? Snape is the... Arguably the most selfish character. Yeah. All of his motives are yeah, driven by his own feelings. He he does so many brave things. Mm -hmm. Like obviously towards the end. He does so many brave things and yeah, he for the greater good generally, but mm -hmm. his motive has nothing to do with ultimate good. Mm -mm. It has nothing to do with any of that. Mm -mm. It's strictly because of his feelings for Lily. Yeah. And we've already seen one example. Harry is very selfless. Yeah. Incredibly so. And just continues to be. Does he have some angsty moments later on? Absolutely. He's going through a whole heck of a lot. And he's a teen. Right. But he truly is just a very good-hearted yeah. soul. So it's just yeah. wild to me. Yeah. I agree. But I will set my soapbox to the side for now because we have more fun things to discuss, like brooms yes. and quidditch. Yes. So now 
we get into the thick of being a Hogwarts student. We go to class with them. We yes. go to Transfiguration. We go to Charms. Leviosa, right? And in the, I think in the book, the um, the emphasis is on the um, Wingardium part, not the Leviosa part. So that was one of those little swapsies for yeah. the movies, but. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa, which in the book, I think it's like, no, it needs to be Wingardium, you know, like something like that. Just one of those um, funny little yeah, so switchies. It's, it's Hermione um, out here being Miss Know-It-All, and Harry and Ron are not, they're just not vibing. Mm-mm. They're like, God, will this girl shut up? <laughs> Stop correcting my spells and doing the better than right. me. Right. Stop bossing me about. <laughs> That's the thing about Hermione that I think makes her character really work, is that she's bossy and a know-it-all. But she can do all of it. Yeah, and she does actually know it all. Yeah. She's not fretting. No, she's <laughs> she is not a poser here. No. She knows it and she can do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she gets she she gets to be yeah. the know it all. Yeah. She gets to be bossy. And she softens a little bit. She does. She at, does. Which in any good friendship or just relationship in human society. Mm-hmm. You share and learn and grow with your friends and you all kind of rub off on each other sometimes in a mischievous way and sometimes in good ways. Yeah. You it's know? good and bad. It's Help each other take. grow. And like I said, and sometimes if you're hardened, you get a little softer. You become a little more kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, so we also get to see Harry's first experience with Broom. They have flying lesson, and Neville goes awry quickly. Poor Neville. Everything normally just goes awry for him. Yeah. Why is it always me? Exactly. Poor Neville. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, Neville. Um, So, yeah, his broom just starts flying, and he's out of control of it. It's doing its thing without any input from Neville. No. (laughs) But he eventually falls off it and breaks his wrist. Got to go to the hospital wing. So Madam Hooch takes him and leaves the rest of the class unattended with their broomsticks. Oh, really? That's that's a that's on her. <laughs> that's, it's, this is all Madam Hooch. She fault. threatened. It's funny how often the teachers threaten to expel these children. It's like mm-hmm. there's no. I mean, there is detention, but it's like there's no threat of detention or like extra homework or anything. It's like yeah. no wonder these children are always terrified that they're going to get kicked out because they're told all the time. Yeah. Step out of line, you're getting kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> for good. Exactly. <laughs> so um, she threatens them, but yeah. Draco Malfoy's got to be a, a him about it. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of has a vision that he operates outside the rules because. His father is very rich. Yes. So he thinks, my father will, I I can't get kicked out because of who my family is. Yeah. That's his. There are no consequences for moi. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, he, as soon as Madame Hooch is out of eyeshot, Draco is in the air with Neville's remembral. Yeah. This, this cool little doodad that Neville got from his grandma if you hold it and you've forgotten something, red smoke appears in the center. Mine would always be filled with red smoke 
um, because there's always little um, thoughts that are just falling straight out of my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the sad part. It doesn't – now, if it told you the thing that you were forgetting. That would be a game changer. I would want it mm-hmm. 100%. But it doesn't. It's like taunting you. It's like, ha-ha, yeah. ha, you've forgotten something. But I hope you remember what it is. But either way, he's making fun of Neville – Holding it up, saying he's going to put it somewhere for Neville to find. And Harry's like, oh, hell no. Yeah, he's not having it. Not today, son. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think it's cool during the lesson, Harry's like, this is the first thing that he's just been a natural at. Yeah, he's just immediately good at it. And it's not like he's immediately good at it. The The narration even says, like, he's surprisingly immediately good at this. This mm-hmm. is something that comes natural to him. And yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Which... Is not necessarily unrealistic. Yeah, Some people happens. are just naturally good at things. It, yes. So, so you know, no Marty Stew over here necessarily, you know. Yeah. Just, he's good at flying. Get over it. He's a, yeah, he's a good flyer. <laughs> and uh, he is, has no qualms about defending Neville. He doesn't really know Neville that well. And he's That's like, true. uh-uh, you're not going to mess with his stuff. Put it down. Quit being a jerk. Yeah. And Draco's like, mm Whatever. And he throws it. Harry, being the natural that he is, swoops down, dives, catches the sucker before it hits the ground in, like, such precise flying. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. First time on a broomstick. Yep. Whoops, though, because McGonagall saw him do it. Now, I don't think Hooch told her, hey, watch my students. But she probably saw that Madam Hooch wasn't there. Yeah. And was like, "Mm, something's afoot. We think Harry's in trouble, but no. Nope. He's the new seeker for the Quidditch team for Gryffindor. And the captain of the Quidditch team is Oliver Wood. Sweet Oliver Wood. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> and he's pumped. He eats, breathes, and sleeps Quidditch. Yeah. Did he get a career in Quidditch? He did. Okay. He, he did. needed to. If he didn't, I was going to question my own life choices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he goes and plays for, like, a national team or something, I think. Yeah. Oliver Wood. Oh, and Way he's to go, like, Bo. he's the keeper um, of the Quidditch team. So, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, Harry joins the Quidditch team. Fred and George are the beaters. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, let's see, Alicia Spinett, mm-hmm. Katie Bell, mm-hmm. and Angelina Johnson mm-hmm. are the other members of the Quidditch team. Yep. So he, yeah, he's on the team. Yep. yep. And he gets a broom. First years are not supposed to have brooms, but he... This is special circumstances, because first years aren't usually on the team, probably, yes. either. True. So. True. Guess so. who gave him that broom, guys? McGonagall. Aww. And it's a Nimbus 2000. It's, like, the top of the line at this time. Yeah, it's noise. Yeah. Noise. <laughs> so, Harry's got, like, the Lamborghini of broomsticks. Yeah. And another, like, you know, this this boy is probably finding, like, camaraderie and family that he's never known is in, a, in his entire life. You know, mm-hmm. the Gryffindor house is supposed to be sort of like your family. Now mm-hmm. he's part of this little niche Quidditch team. And then mm-hmm. he's got his, his best friend, Ron Weasley, yeah. and kind of sort of Neville and Hermione. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know, I think... Halloween happens before his first Quidditch match, but not, I think it happens like after the duel because 
they find Fluffy before Halloween because Hermione is not their friend yet. Right. Yeah. But, um, so I think after Harry gets the broom is when Draco challenges him to the duel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He gets the, because he gets the broom, like, right away. So mm-hmm. there's tons of practices between them, that and the game. Yeah. But yes, you're right. The duel um, and finding Fluffy does happen before the first match. Yes. Because he's reading his Quidditch book, and that's when Snape decides to be a butt. But yeah. then that's when he sees Snape's leg. Yes. All that yes. jazz. So backing up a bit. Backing up. Um, Draco's jealous that Harry has something that he... <laughs> Draco's parents could easily buy for him, but yeah. he's just mad because first years can't have brooms at school. Mm-hmm. And um, he starts talking them fighting words at Harry, and he's like, fine, we're going to have a wizard's duel. And Ron, without hesitation, was like, yeah, and I'm his second. Yeah. This guy is ride or die. Yeah, that's... That's like wizard speak for what, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, he did agree to something that Harry did not realize what he was agreeing to. But he yeah. was standing up being a loyal friend Yeah. immediately. And they haven't been friends for that long. Like, their their friendship connection is it's, instant. Yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, so he challenges him to the duel. They agree. He's going to be a second. Basically, if Harry dies, Ron takes over. Yeah. <laughs> But alas, um, are we surprised? Draco is not being honest. Nope. Says he'll meet them in the trophy room. Nope. He's not there, but guess who is? Uh, the guy who loves catching and punishing children, Argus Filch. <laughs> he is the caretaker of the castle. Yeah. And Hagrid he- is the keeper of the keys and grounds, but Argus is Mr. Filch. He's the castle guy. Yeah. The castle guy. so And he loves catching children and getting them in trouble. Him and his cat, Mrs. Norris. Yep. So they are the ones who show up. And Hermione's with them because she had tried to talk them out of going. And then got herself locked out of the... (laughs) Locked out of the common room. And then Neville was also locked out of the common room. Because you need a password, guys. Yeah. There's a portrait that hangs out there. You give them the password. They let you in. But... Um, by the way, portraits and pictures move, y'all. So if the portrait decides they're going to go visit their friend in a painting frame uh, up two levels, you're just SOL. Yeah, you're not getting in until they get back. So she disappears. Hermione can't get back in. Neville didn't know the password to begin with. Well, he can't go anywhere because the lady's gone. So they got to tag along. Mm-hmm. And so when Mrs. Norris turns up, they know they've got to skit Skitnaddle. So they run away and find themselves on the third floor corridor and uh, Hermione unlocks the door so they can hide. They get in there. They think, ugh, we're away. Filch is not going to catch us. And then boom, they see a giant three-headed dog. Yikes. That is a plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) They escape with their lives. They do. No bloodshed. And I don't even, then they don't get caught either. So Draco's plan is foiled. Foiled, for yes, sure. Yes, yes. I guess we forgot to mention, during the sorting and the celebrating and the eating on the first night at school, Dumbledore said, hey, do not go in that forest outside the school and don't mm-hmm. go to that third floor corridor unless you plan to die a most painful death. Yes, 
Exactly. I don't know that they realized they were going into the third floor corridor, or even if they did, their immediate danger was a lot yes. worse than what they anticipated to be in there. But yes. three-headed dog, they run off yeah. with their lives not getting in trouble this mm-hmm. time. And I don't know what if much happens really after that. I think we get come up to Halloween at this point. Yeah, just school stuff school and Quidditch stuff. Pla- practices. Practices. <laughs> practices. <laughs> yes. And so then we have the Halloween feast. Mm. Mm. And they have like floating pumpkins and candles everywhere, live bats. Sounds so cool. Sounds like a party I want to go to. And I don't go to parties. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Quirrell, Professor Quirrell, runs in and he's like, Troll of the Dungeons! Tell you what to know. And he faints because he's a little bitch. And little wormy, little, what are you doing teaching defense against the dark arts? No, no, it's... This is not your gig. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so, everyone's kind of, like, rushing out. Well, um, Ron and Ron and Harry notice that Hermione is not with them. Because she went to the bathroom crying. Because maybe Ron might have said something earlier on that she was not supposed to hear but he was mad at her he was mad and he was being a rude little boy and Mm -hmm. he basically was like she's such a nosy know-it-all why doesn't she just keep to herself or she doesn't have any friends da 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 yeah and he makes her cry and Uh, she goes to the girl's bathroom to cry and she knows nothing about the troll nothing about the troll so they're like we have to go save her yeah so they run right to the bathroom to save her and the troll is in there well, they, what's oh, funny? Oh, they lock him in. Yeah, they 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 see the troll on their way. Like I, I feel like they were trying to. Were they even trying to look for her? I feel like they just see the troll and they're like, "Oh, we need to divert him away." And then they close him in a room, and then they hear a scream, and then it's like, "Oops, that's where Hermione is." Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're in there. They go back in. They go back for her. They don't leave her to die. That's right. Uh, no, no man left behind. Mm-hmm. And so they're fighting the troll. Yep. Now, Hermione is not cool under pressure. No. She freezes she up. She freezes up and is panicked. Yeah. Understandably so. so yeah. This girl's allowed to have character flaws because she's great at everything. Else. Yes, exactly. Under pressure, not her strong suit at this juncture. Yeah. At age 11, she froze. <laughs> On, uh, at age 35, so would I. Um, but Same. Yeah. Yeah. The boys save her. They do. And they take on this troll and um, eventually knock it out. Ron uses the the wisdom that Hermione gave him in class. Swish and flick. And uh, Harry just throws caution to the wind, jumps on the sucker, mm-hmm. puts his wand up its nose. Yep. Yep, he <laughs> but does. But they, they win. They win. And then the teachers all come in. They're like, uh, what happened What here? the H-E double are you doing? So Hermione actually lies, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. She didn't necessarily need to lie here, but she does. I think because she wouldn't have gotten in trouble if she said, I, yeah, I was in here and it came in to attack me. But they would have gotten in trouble for not going where they were supposed to go. I, I don't know. I didn't fully understand it either. I was like, why didn't you just say, hey, yeah, I was in here... Didn't know about the troll. And uh, 
they heard me scream and they came to save me. But I think she just, she didn't want there to be a chance of them getting in trouble for yeah. breaking the rules. She just was like, they were coming to help me. I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a rule breaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, essentially. So they all come out unscathed. I think the Harry and Ron got some points for taking down the troll. Hermione got docked some for yeah, her lie. Yeah, because she lied and said that she was trying to find the troll because she had read about them and thought she could handle it. Yeah. And so. then they came to rescue her. I'm, exactly. Again, I'm not totally sure why she lied, but I think she was just trying to avoid any scenario where the boys got in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So. But then after that. They're friends. Bonded. There are just some things that yeah. you go through that you can't escape without being friends afterwards. Yes. So that is, this is the genesis of the trio. Yep. They they fully know who each other are now and flaws and all. Flaws and all. We're friends. Yep. From here, we have some more school stuff, but then we get to Harry's first Quidditch match. Ooh, ooh, officially. So, you know, they're up in the air. We get some fire commentary from Lee Jordan. Lee Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> he's such he's so good These, so good the scenes with him and mcgonagall commentating lee jordan <laughs> they're just so good it's it's yeah colin it's, fouls out left and right <laughs> yeah yeah after that dirty bit of cheating mm -hmm. so funny so they're the quidditch matches against slytherin and you know they're doing their thing slytherin they play dirty. They be Slytherin. Yeah. They do <laughs> up be there Slytherin in the up skies. there. They play pretty dirty, but the Gryffindors are above. Uh, they're above that. They're not playing dirty. Because mm -mm. um, they know they can win on their skill alone. That's exactly right. So we we get to experience some Quidditch, some goal scoring, the kind of swiftness, the back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Harry's broom starts freaking out. Trying to buck him off. Yeah, it's... It's like jerking around and it he it throws him off and he's hanging by like one hand from mm. the handle. The Weasley twins are like circling below him to try and catch him if he falls. Yeah. It's pretty insane. It yeah, it's intense. Mm. So why <laughs> why no one else is taking action? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're all just staring at him from like the audience and Hermione's like all the teachers, Albus yeah. Dumbledore, everyone's just like, whoa, what's happening? I wonder what's happening. Doing nothing. So, But thank they, God for Ron and Hermione. Yeah, they see Snape and they're like, he's staring at Harry, won't break eye contact and he's muttering. So they think Snape is cursing the broom. Yep. So she runs over there, lights she, a fire. Yeah. <laughs> she runs over there. She bumps into Quirrell. She's in such a hurry. Knocks, knocks his. down. His butt over and then, yeah, sets Snape's jacket aflame. Yep. <laughs> and then Harry's broom stops bucking. He gets back on it and then... Immediately dives. Yeah, for the snitch. And whoop, catches it. Almost and, swallows it. In his mouth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then he, he wins his first Quidditch match. Whoop, whoop. Now, we forgot to mention after um, Halloween... One of the reasons why they believe that Snape is doing this is because after the events of that night, you know, they 
or Harry sees Snape and he's like limping and he tries to go into the teacher's lounge to get his Quidditch book back because, you know, Snape's just being a turd and finds some reason to take mm-hmm. it away from him. Well, when he goes in, he sees that Snape le- Snape's leg is injured. Yeah. Almost as if he had gotten bitten by a three-headed dog. Exactly. So he thinks Snape's up to something. So yeah. that already, like, he already knows Snape doesn't like him just because of how he treats him in class and in school and in general. Mm-hmm. And then he um, catches Snape with a busted leg, and that makes Snape even more mad. So they think this is enough evidence, yep. along with the seeing him muttering that. Yeah, Snape, this, Snape this, did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we get uh, a, a win for Gryffindor. And um, then, basically, it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Harry is obviously not going back to the Dursleys for Christmas. He's staying at Hogwarts. Heck no. Um, Ron also stays, and the Weasleys, um, they all stay because Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are going to visit his older brothers. Are they going to Egypt? Yeah, they go Bill? They they go to see Charlie. They're In going Romania. to Romania. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, not Bill this time. Just, yeah. just Charlie. Yeah. So Charlie, no, Bill's the oldest. Mm-hmm. Bill's the oldest. He's a curse breaker in Egypt. Four Gringotts. Four sake. Gringotts. And Charlie is the second oldest, and he studies dragons in Romania. So He could have been a professional Quidditch player, we are reminded, a couple times. Yes, he was. But the boy loves him some dragons, so yeah. he chose that career path instead. He's out there with the dragons. <laughs> Christmas morning. Harry actually gets some presents. I'm... This has to be the first time he's ever, like, gotten Christmas presents. That weren't a uh, used sock? Yes. Right. Right. Because <laughs> that's that's the kind of presents the Dursleys gave him, folks. Yeah. Used socks. Yeah. So he was fully not expecting any gifts, but he has gifts. Yep. He has a Weasley sweater. Mrs. Weasley loves knitting her sweet baby boys and daughter some... Sweet swag, some yep. cool sweaters, and Harry got one too. Yep. He has a sweater and like some baked goods. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hermione gives him something. I don't remember what. I know. I think she gives Ron um, jelly beans, but I don't remember what she gets Harry. Yeah. She He gets something from yeah. Hermione, yeah. but he also gets a mysterious package. From a mysterious Unknown. person. <laughs> and it is... The invisibility cloak. And, and then I, the, I think the note says this belonged to your father. Yes. Yeah. So not only is it just like a cool, it's an invisibility cloak, but it's something that belonged to his dad. Yeah. So I think that makes it even more special. Yes, it does. Um, so they're trying to figure out who. They're trying to figure out what Fluffy's guarding. And I yeah. think at some point Hagrid. someone. Oh, yeah. Sweet Hagrid. He is. I think he's loyal and wonderful and, like, I mean, he trusts these kids. I don't think he would let anything slip to someone that he didn't trust. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people are like, he's an oaf. But I just feel like he's, he's, he loves these kids. He's comfortable with them. They're, they show him kindness. Yeah. I guarantee you not a lot of other people do. Yeah. Um, but he did accidentally let slip that what the dog is guarding is between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. Mm-hmm. So while they're at school... 
They're searching for Nicholas Flamel. Right. Hermione did go home to be with her parents, but mm-hmm. Ron and Harry are on task to figure out who Nicholas Flamel is. They they are on task, and so Harry wakes up in the middle of the night, and he's like, I'm going to use this invisibility cloak and go... I don't even think he could sleep that night. He was so excited. So excited. <laughs> and he's going to go to the restricted section in his invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. Um, but while he's in there, he makes kind of a ruckus. He picks the wrong book. It screams. Why do you have books that scream? I want to know. Yeah. And so he has to hightail it out of the library. Gets lost. Gets lost. And he's in he's in a random room. With a, a giant mirror. The mirror of Irised. Mm-hmm. And he looks in the mirror and he sees his whole family. Not just mom and dad. I mean, and I mean, clearly these are people he's never even seen. So I, I kind of wonder, like, do they look like who they are? Like, does the mirror just, like, is this sucker so magical that it just knows what people look like? So when he's like, I want to see in his heart, deep in his heart. Yeah. His request to, to see his family. Does it give him accurate... Images or just assumed I w- images? I think it does. You, I would think that, I mean, it's magic. It doesn't yeah. have to explain it, it does, that yeah. much. But yeah, so he, he gets to see yeah. his whole family. He sees his family. He sees, like, eyes that look like his. He sees hair that looks like his. Yeah. And he is just obsessed. This boy just wants some family. He just wants some family. And so he keeps going back. Mm-hmm. Multiple nights in a row, and yeah. then one night, guess who's in there? Albus Dumbledore. Yes, and he's like, "Hey, you you gotta you gotta not." Yeah, I get the allure, but you can't you can't do this. Yes. What what's the line? You can't. Uh, it it's does, not doesn't do well to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Yes, men have wasted away in front of this mm-hmm. mirror. I mean, it, we come to learn that it's not just. It doesn't predict the future. It doesn't show you your, it doesn't show everyone their family. It shows you the deepest desire of your heart. Yes. And um, I I can see why that would be pretty intoxicating. Mm -hmm. Even if you, especially when you know that it's not possible to get the thing that it shows you. Yeah. To be able to see it, you know? So, but Dumbledore is like, I'm moving this thing tomorrow. Do not come looking for it. Yep. This is not healthy. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So then, um, so the Christmas break ends, they go back to like their school and stuff. And then they see in the paper that someone has broken into Gringotts. Yeah. And they've tried to break into the very vault that Harry and Hagrid cleared mm-hmm. in Diagon Alley. Mm-hmm. So they kind of put two and two together and they're like, whatever was in there mm-hmm. is here at Hogwarts mm-hmm. now. And uh, they figure out the Nicholas Flamel mystery mm-hmm. because it's, he wasn't in any of the books that they looked at. You know, modern, you know, history makers or whatever, you know, like the the stuff that they thought like someone of note would be in. Mm-hmm. He was on a chocolate frog card. Yep. Y'all. He was. With Dumbledore. Yep. And then Hermione remembered this like ancient history book she remembered. Yeah. And uh, that's how they figure out who Nicholas Flamel is. He is the creator of the Sorcerer's Stone. Yep. Or the Philosopher's Stone. If you will. If you will. But so. that's why he wasn't in their modern books, because... He's like 650 years old. He's been using his invention for a hot minute now. Yeah. So. It creates the elixir of life and turns anything into pure gold. 
It turns any metal into pure gold. So you're rich and you live a long life. Yep. I think you still age. I don't think that you get to be young and spry. Yeah. I feel like you still age, just probably very slowly. Yeah, and you probably, yeah. But I don't know, actually. They don't say. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't. I'm actually only saying that because of the, well, I mean, I don't know. It's not important. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um... So they they know about Nichols Femel now and the Sorcerer's Stone. And in the meantime, while some things are happening, mm-hmm. Hagrid gets his hands on a dragon egg. Something he's wanted more than anything for yep. probably his whole life. Yep. He's always wanted a dragon and he gets a dragon egg. And, um... So Harry and Ron and Hermione are trying to help him. He heats up the egg so it hatches or whatever because mm-hmm. the dragons breathe fire on their eggs. Yeah, so he's got to keep that hut super hot. Super hot. And so they take turns going down there once it's hatched to help him or whatever. And um, then Draco sees the dragon. Through the window. Through the he's window. He's a sneaky... He's a sneaky little snake. <laughs> And, of course, he tells on them immediately. Well, no, he doesn't tell on them immediately. I'm so sorry. He holds it over their heads for a while. Yes. Um, And he actually doesn't tell on them until they're trying to get rid of the dragon. Yes. So what they do is Ron writes to his brother Charlie and is like, hey, do you want this dragon? Because Charlie studies dragons. Yeah. And so Charlie's like, I have some friends. They're going to be flying through there they'll come get it and so they make a plan to meet at like the topmost tower Mm -hmm. at midnight or whatever and ron doesn't actually get to go because he gets bitten by the dragon and has to be in the hospital wing yes so just ron or harry hermione and baby dragon norbert yeah (laughs) they go up to the top tower invisibility cloak covered yeah so they're they're trying to be cautious. They meet Charlie's friends. He takes the dragon away. All is safe and sound. But so, and the, but they're so excited. Yeah. They leave the cloak up on the tower. So they're just walking through the castle at midnight. Do to do. You know they're out out of bed after hours, <laughs> and they get caught by Filch. By Filch, and Neville is also out of bed because. Trying to warn them. He was trying to warn him that Draco was sending Filch after him. And McGonagall is like, all for you. You're losing 50 points each. And detention. And, detention. <laughs> and so um, they go to detention in the forest with Hagrid and Fang. Yeah. Hagrid feels bad, you know. Uh, feels like it's his fault they got in trouble, which mm-hmm. a little bit it is. is. But, uh, but yeah, so they have, for detention, they send children into the, uh, the dangerous woods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Harry, Hermione, and Neville are not super upset by this. They like Hagrid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a little scared, but Draco's the one pitching a fit because this is, quote unquote, servant stuff. Yeah. So, but they have to go wander about the woods for, um, to see what happened. They've seen some, uh unicorn blood and they're trying to figure out where the unicorn is and if it's injured alive if it needs help yeah so that's what they're that's what they're doing for detention (laughs) yes and unicorn blood is silver 
Mm, yes, shiny silver. So they split up. Hagrid originally goes with Harry and Hermione. And Neville and Draco take Fang. Mm-hmm. But Draco obviously is tormenting Neville. Running amok. So then we switch up the groups. And Draco and Harry take Fang. And Hagrid is with Hermione and Neville. Mm-hmm. And then Harry and Draco see the unicorn. Mm-hmm. And they see a hooded figure drinking its blood. Draco the coward hightails it out of there. Oh, yeah. He runs away so fast. Yeah. And the thing sees Harry and, like, swoops at him. Mm-hmm. But in come the centaurs. Thank God for friends. Yeah. Or forensi, however you want to put it. I think Hagrid kind of bumped into them a few moments earlier. Yes. Bane and something else. And all they keep talking about is, in you know, Mars is really large tonight. Like, yeah. centaurs are very um, centered around reading the stars and, um, yeah, very you celestial. know, destiny. Yes, very celestial minded. So, and they don't like to get mixed up in the affairs of humans. If anything, they seem a bit prejudiced against them. Yeah. But Friends, or Frenzy, um, swoops in, rescues Harry, even has Harry on his back. His friends, not keen on this. They're like, what the heck are you doing? You carnival horse. Why do you have this human being on your back? Yeah. Not happy. (laughs) They're displeased. But Friends um, believes that humans and, you know, just people in general should help each other out and be good to each other. So exactly. So uh, he kind of gives them some warnings and tells Harry about who he thinks might be needing unicorn blood. Harry, being the very little smart kid that he is, like, who would do that? if it? Because apparently drinking unicorn blood gives you a half-life, a cursed life. Mm-hmm. And the only benefit to doing that would be if you're near death and you need to survive and you know that you have an alternative waiting mm-hmm. for you to kind of reverse the cursedness of said drinking of the uh, the blood, which would be none other than the elixir of life. Right. Who would want such a thing? Who has been out of power and would like to regain their power? Exactly. <gasps> Voldemort. Voldemort. So Fritz actually gives us some pretty... He's dropping some knowledge. Some truth bombs out exactly. here. So, yeah. We are armed with this knowledge, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we see Harry connecting some dots. Mm -hmm. He's like, wait a second, how ironic is it that the one thing that Hagrid wants most in the world is is a dragon? And he happens upon a stranger in the pub who just has a dragon egg. And they go and question Hagrid, and they're like, hey, tell us the story. What happened here? (laughs) He's like, well... The stranger obviously was interested in the kind of creatures I keep, and he told him about Fluffy, and I said, all you have to do is play him a bit of music, and he'll fall straight to sleep. And they're like, snap. Oh, snap. (laughs) So they're thinking it's, uh, they're thinking it's Snape. Mm Mm-hmm. All the while, because he's been seen with the the bite a couple times. He was bullying Coral, seemingly for information. Yep. So we think it's Snape. Yeah. They think it's Snape the whole time. And they're like, oh, shit. So they run into the castle. They're looking for Dumbledore. They're going to tell him everything. They're going to tell him everything. They trust him. And then they find out Dumbledore has been called away. 
Convenient. Conveniently. <laughs> and they're like, well, shit, I guess that only leaves us to stop Snape. Right. Because they tell McGonagall that someone, because they've learned by now telling Hagrid that Snape's after the stone. And it's Hagrid's like, no, no, man. He's protecting it. Right. He wouldn't do that. Exactly. So they just say, listen, McGonagall, someone's going to steal the stone. She's like, hey, I don't know how you know about that, but get your child butts to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, mm, no. Yeah. And at first, I think Ron and Hermione were kind of resigned. Like, okay, I mean, what, what, you know, what she told us not to, what can we do? But Harry, he, he impresses me yet again. He's like, um... Yeah, they threatened if we're out of bed or we're going to get in trouble, we'll be expelled. But if Dumbledore gets that stone and comes back to power, it's not going to matter if we're expelled because we're We're all going to be be dead. dead. Yep. And he's going to turn the school into a school for evil people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about y'all, but uh, I'm not going to sit around and wait to be killed. Mm -hmm. Because if this Joker gets out, even if we do survive or get kicked out of school, uh, then I'll just be sitting at the Dursleys waiting for my death sentence. So I'd rather just face him now. Mm-hmm. Whoa. First yeah. of all, thinking about just the world in general and like, it's just like, if we can do something, let's do it because yeah. our little trivial when when we're going to get expelled doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This is Voldemort we're talking about. Exactly. Proud of you, bud. So, yeah, he's he's ballsy here. Yes. So, they make their plan. They're gonna sneak back out with the invisibility cloak. But they're gonna... They're gonna try and stop Snape. Yep. But they get in the, the common room, and Neville's like, no. You've no. lost the house too many points. Because he doesn't know the grand scheme. No, he doesn't. He's their, he's their side bud, but he's not, like, in on the inner workings. Yeah, he's not in the inner circle. And, unfortunately, they don't have the time to explain they it to him. They just don't. They just don't. Petrificus totalis. And he is, uh, he, that's the full body bind. Yep. He's just laying there like, Neville, bud, we're sorry. Yeah. But this is bigger than you. And but we and we gotta go. We can't argue with gotta you go. anymore. But gotta Neville go. was like, I'll fight you. Yeah, he was, he was ready to fight yeah. He, he was a little scared, yeah. but he was going to do it. But that's the, the that's true bravery, is doing gotta, something when you're scared and doing it anyway. Doing it anyway. And earlier on, I wanted to mention this, um, Neville was, uh, to me, a little baller, because, like, Draco was being a jerk to him, and he was like, you know what? I'm worth ten of you. Yeah. Heck yeah, you are, Neville. Yeah, yes. Did Draco and- take it to heart and, like, get his feelings hurt by it? No. But Draco stood up to him and said it. And I was, yeah. again, proud of you, bud. And ne- and Ron was like, you tell him, Neville. Yep. He's like, yeah, get him. Back him. Backing him up. So, yeah, they're doing it. But, so, you know, Neville is our first casualty here. <laughs> he's not um, dead. He's just. He's just. Locked up and left he's behind. Just tied up a little. <laughs> so, they run for the third floor. They get into the door where Fluffy is and. Fluffy's asleep already because there's a harp there playing a tune. They're like, shit, we didn't beat him here. But they're going to chase him. Right. So they hop down the hole. Yep. And Harry goes first. Yep. Like a true Gryffindor. Yep. He lands in something soft. He describes the hole above him as postage stamp sized. So it's, we're deep in the castle. That's a far fall. And the fact that they're alive (laughs) is a miracle in itself. 
Yes. So they're all three, they've all three jumped and they're on the devil snare. The devil snare. It's a plant and it's just slowly circling them and it's going to squeeze in them, crush them to death like a bow constrictor. Yep. Again, our smart, smart Hermione kind of crushes under pressure. She's, she's trying to remember what this plant is. Ron's getting a little testy. He's like, who cares what it's called? She's like, yeah, but if I know what it is. I, I can, can figure this out. Yeah, so she does eventually. Yeah. And she's like, it hates it hates the sun. So she's like, it hates oh, fire. Yeah, it hates light. She's like, uh, too bad I don't have any wood. And then Ron conveniently points out, are you a wizard or not? Yeah, and she's like, oh, right. So she <laughs> makes her little flames that she's so good at. Her blue flames. And um, they are saved from the devil's snare. And they move on to the giant chess set. Is it the keys first, and then the Wait, chess Wait, it, it is the keys. Yeah. So, yeah, so the then, keys. and conveniently, we have, we have some um, tasks that are seem tailor-made for these kids. Yes, they, they do seem. So, there's, like, a key, and um, Ron identifies what the key should look like, an old-fashioned one. Mm-hmm. They see it. It's already been used, because its yeah. wing is bent, so... Harry catches it, obviously, because he's Super a seeker. <laughs> they get through the door. And it, then the chest set. Then the chest set. There's a troll at some point, but it's already been knocked out. I think they don't the, have to do anything. I believe the troll is after the chest set, but before the, the potions. Yes. So Ron is hella good at chess. Hella good. He's a super best friend, and he's amazing super, at chess. Super good at chess. So the three of them take the place on the chessboard. Ron is a knight. Plays the best game of chess of his life. Yes. And they win, but he has to sacrifice himself. So yeah, wizard's chess, guys, you don't just like bump someone to the side. Like these pieces decimate each other. Yeah, they they destroy. So he gets like, he, he gets his skull clocked <laughs> by a stone chess piece. Right. I'm thinking that, for a regular person, that's a death blow. Mm-hmm. Um, traumatic brain injury, at the least. Yeah. He, he's he's out, but I think they're pretty sure that he's, he's okay. okay. Yeah, so Harry and Ron move on. Or Harry and Hermione move on. Yep. Move past the troll that's knocked out. Yeah, they don't have to do anything there. And then they just get to some potions. Mm-hmm. So there's flames... One set of flames blocks them from going back, and one set of flames blocks them from going forward. And it's basically like a logic game. Yeah, we get a nice little riddle. Yep, you have to figure out which potion will get you forward and which one will get you back. Well, guess what, though? Hermione figures it out, (laughs) obviously. Piece of cake. But there's like a sip of potion Mm -hmm. that will take you forward. So there's only enough for one. Yeah. So... Her and Harry have a moment. Harry's like, you know, this has been great, but you should go back and, to safety and to Ron. to Ron. And Hermione's like, thanks for being so nice telling me that I'm amazing, but uh, there's more than books and cleverness. Mm-hmm. There's friendship and you're uh, brave and amazing and go get him, Tiger, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so they take their respective potions. Harry goes forward. Hermione goes back. And who does Harry find through the next door? Snape. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's Professor Quirrell. <laughs> what? <laughs> St- stuttering P- 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 Professor Quirrell. 
Yeah, this was a real plot twist for me. I remember reading it, and yeah. I'm like, bitch, are you serious? Because he is not stuttering Professor Quirrell. He is jerkwad Magoo yeah. Professor McQuirrell. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's he's being just a, he's being a, a real rascal. Yep. So, you know, they have some words. He reveals that Voldemort is sticking out the back of his head. Yep. That they were best friends for a while, but yeah, then yeah. he failed him. So then mm. he wanted to be closer to him, and closer to him meant him being a little parasite on the back of his head, and that's, that's right. why he wears a stinky turban. Yeah. And there's the mirror of Erised. He sees that he wants the stone, but he can't figure out how to get it. Can't figure it out. So he makes Harry use the mirror. Yeah. So Harry stands in front of the mirror, and he sees himself, and then... He sees himself with the stone, and all of a sudden, it's in his pocket. He feels it drop in his feels pocket. Feels it in there. And uh, Quirrell tries to wrestle it away from him. Mm-hmm. And he... After some choice words between Harry and Voldemort on the back of his head, then then Voldemort's like, he has the stone. Okay. Yeah. After basically being a huge rip and being like, hey, yeah, your parents beg for death, and uh, I'm... I'm, yeah. I'm the biggest baddie bad bad of all of them. Yeah. And whatever. Give me the stone. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> exactly. Has Quirrell wrestle him for it, but yikes. Quirrell's hands turn to blisters. After he touches Harry's skin. And uh, Voldemort's like, don't care. Get him. Get him. And so Harry notices and he runs and just grabs his face. Boils, burns. He dies, right? He does die. Harry, Shiny and red, I think, are the two descriptors yeah. of his body. <laughs> yes. And um, Harry eventually passes out. Yeah, he hears he hears someone's voice calling his name, but he's not sure who it is. Yeah. And then um, he wakes up, and he's in the hospital wing. And he's hanging out with Dumbledore. Yep. And so Dumbledore and him have a nice little chat. He's the one that rescued him from the... Yep. From the chamber, he mm-hmm. realized once he got to the ministry that it was a ruse. Came right back. Mm-hmm. Didn't even need Hermione's owl that she definitely sent after mm-hmm. she got Ron and herself to safety. Yeah. So uh, Dumbledore tells him that the stone's been destroyed. Nicholas has set his affairs in order and destroyed the stone. So no one has to worry about anyone drinking any elixirs of life from here on out. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. And we find out the reason Harry's touch boiled <laughs> uh, Quirrell's skin is because of the sacrifice Harry's mom's made. Yep. Harry's mom made. Because <laughs> she died to save him. And that much love leaves a lasting impression, and mm-hmm. it's, like, in Harry's skin. It's yep. old magic. Old magic. Harry tries to ask Dumbledore some questions. Dumbledore's like, I won't lie to you, but I can't promise you that I'll give you the answer if it's right. something that you're not ready to know yet. Yeah. So. so he asks a question that he can't get the answer to. Mm. Can't remember what it is. And then and then that's when he tells him about the, the love and the skin and all that stuff. Yep. But, yep. And then he, he gets to see Ron and Hermione and yep. 
They all go to the end of the year feast. Um, obviously, from their mischief making, Gryffindor has was down some they were, points. They were in last place. And Slytherin was on top, just like they were uh, for a bunch of years before that. So the yeah. whole school is pretty upset. They're pretty pissed. And Dumbledore is like, you know what? We have some last minute things to cover. Right. He's like, hey, uh, Ron, you get 50 points because you played some mad chess. Mad chess. And then Hermione, he's like, you're so logical and smart. You also get 50 points. <laughs> And Harry saved the Sorcerer's Stone, so he gets 60 points. Right. For defeating Voldemort. Yeah. I think he even says yeah. something to that effect. I don't think he... I don't know. <laughs> pretty and, sure he's pretty obvious about it. Yeah. And then... Uh, we're Neville, tied with Slytherin. We're, we're tied for first. And then Neville. Because it takes bravery to stand up to your enemies, but it takes a great deal more to stand up to your friends. And he gives him 10 points. And 10 points is all they need. All they need. And they win. They're the winners. The house cup. Gryffindor wins. And you would have thought a bomb went off if you were outside that school because the shouts that erupted were just so large. Yep. It shook the building. Shook the building. Not literally, but figuratively. Figuratively. And then that's really it. We get back on the train. Yeah. Hagrid gives um, Harry oh, yeah. um, a photo book. He said that he wrote to Harry's parents' old friends to get photos of them for him, which, ugh, are you kidding me? So cute. So sweet. And then, yeah, Ron's like, come visit this summer. And Ron, Harry's like, yeah, I need something to look forward to because I'm going it, back to live with those duds. <laughs> It'd be bleak for the next few months. Yep. And then... So. That's that's it. That's the end. It's the end. That's it. So, yeah, excellent, excellent. So precious. N- nothing to dislike there. No, I mean, this is a 10 out of 5 for me. <laughs> 15, a million. It doesn't all matter the what the score is. All, all the of the stars. stars. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, so good. It, it, it keeps you... It, it kept me reading. I never got bored. No. Uh, the The magic of the world just captivated me immediately. Yeah. Uh, Even, like, perfection. the downtimes where they're, like, doing school stuff. It's so interesting. Yes. Because, like, yeah. the subjects they take are interesting. The way that she conceptualized different subjects within magic, like transfiguration, charms, potions, mm-hmm. uh, whatever else they take. It's just so interesting. Yeah. To herbology. Yep. Uh, it's all interesting and fun. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, it's just so good. Well, still, like, super fun and, you know, awe-inspiring, but still, like, has, like, some really cool themes, you know, mm-hmm. and just, you know, friendship and bravery and your found family and then even throwing in some childhood neglect and trauma and abuse in there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, not, like, doesn't... I mean, it tells you about it. it. doesn't point it out specifically, but it's like you really, through the series, see, like, how those things really shape these people. Yeah. And make them behave. It's exactly. crazy. Exactly. So, overall, it's just excellent. It's just excellent. Yep. This and is- and this first one translated to film pretty spot on. There was only yeah. a handful of things, I think, that they ended up leaving out. Yeah. Or- 
um, or changing. They did in in an attempt to make Hermione's character more likable, which I don't think was necessary at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. They they took some of Ron's bits and gave them to her, and I believe it was to Ron's detriment. As much as I love movie Ron, I do, I do, but um, but yeah. But other than that, the the first film, the first two films, really are pretty spot on. They're pretty close. They're. Like we said, it's like a cozy bonfire feel. It's just like heartwarming and it's beautiful to look at. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me personally, any of them, all of them, every time that opening music would play, I would get like chills of excitement and maybe Mm -hmm. a a few little misty tears in my eyes. It just, it it just filled me with, with joy. It's just, yeah, it's just so good. And it's you know it, it, my whole childhood mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. in in a nutshell <laughs> i remember reading this first book my fourth grade teacher read it to us from like we would have like daily reading time mm-hmm. and he would read to us i don't remember any other books he read to us the whole year but harry potter was one of them nice. and i was just like transfixed yeah and so I, awesome. I had to like check it out from the library myself and yeah. read it that's cool i i have to say i have to admit i was not on the bandwagon immediately um i had friends that had read it and i just was like eh, okay whatever mm-hmm. i think i even tried to read it and like started to read the first page and i remember being like eh, whatever like i think i was just like dirt these dursley people sound like duds yeah. and just didn't go any further, but after a while, I got smart, and I thought, I'm going to give this a whirl. Yeah. It sounds exciting. And um, fell in love with it completely. The world, the characters, the whole the whole shebang. So, um, yeah. yeah, I was hooked after that, after I, I gave in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if I would have picked up the book on my own, but, yeah, it was, yeah. I had never encountered it, heard of it. Until our teacher just read it to us. Yeah. And I was like, what yes. is he? Yes. <laughs> I don't care what this is. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So from age nine. So that was like 1999. Mm-hmm. It was barely out for a year. I was literally 11 in yeah. 1999. So Harry and I were the same age. <laughs> the same age. I was nine. Nine, nice. little nine years old. Little nine year old baby. So, yeah. Excellent, excellent. This is a long one, but no one cares. <laughs> if you've hung out this long, though, guys, super trooper. You're gold the real star. ones. You're the real ones. The real ones, for sure. So, um, please rate us, review us, send us an email and tell us about your Harry Potter experience because you probably have one. Yeah. I'm guessing if you've listened to this, you have one. Yeah. And if you don't and our ramblings have inspired you to give it a shot. Do it. Do it. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> um, let's see. Also, you can send along your book recs if you have any. Yeah. Um, if you've read any of the other books we've covered, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. Absolutely. If you want to prep for our next novel, it's going to be... Another heavy hitter. Yes. The Hobbit by Tolkien. Whoop, whoop. I'm uh, so excited. Huge Tolkien fan. Yeah, huge Tolkien fan. Love The Hobbit. Love yeah. The Hobbit. I love The Lord of the Rings. Love The Hobbit. Mm. Um, I have not read them yet. Um, I have been, for some reason, intimidated. 
as much as because I love the movie so much. Um, but I am excited to dive into mm-hmm. the books, and it's just gonna be wonderful. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, I haven't read The Hobbit in a very long time, but um, I'm you know happy happy to be rereading it. I've read the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy a number of times, but this will be the first time I get to read through it on my new set. Nice. So I own some of my very prized possessions. I own a second edition of the trilogy. That's awesome. That was a real, real find. Yeah. It's the first time I will actually be actively reading that set. So very exciting. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and that's all we have for you. Yeah. For this. As if this episode wasn't long enough. (laughs) This is a special feature. Yeah. You can expect probably all of the Lord of the Rings ones and all of the Harry Potter ones to be long like this. The Lord of the Rings ones are going to be spread out a little further, I think. A little further, yeah. Um, But rest assured, we will be doing those as well. Yeah. Um, A shout out. On the tunes and artwork, they were a collaboration of the We Read Books crew. What up? Mad being a big chunk of that, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> uh, but but yes. please rest assured, we did everything ourselves. We have created literally top to bottom from the logo, the music, the content, all of the images on our socials. That's us, you guys. We yeah. don't pay anyone. This crew of two. That's right. <laughs> and then perhaps occasionally in- input from our spouses. But That's right. <laughs> At least, you know, an opinion. Yeah. From them. Yeah. So We may not do exactly what they say, but yeah. we'll listen. I'll absorb it. But, well, until next time, nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak, and read books. Okay, goodbye. Bye.